Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on some blog network that your uncle thought was cool maybe once back in the day. Joining me once again are my senior editor, Jude Seymour, and Chief Inspector Brendan McAlinden. Fellas, it's uh, it's been a tragic few days for for Notre Dame fans. For I mean, for a lot of people, really. Uh, what's going on? I I've been on this podcast for um, two years now, and I'm just wondering: is this still an unpaid internship, or do I get paid at some point? I'm just you haven't been you haven't been collecting the checks. You haven't been collecting your checks. You haven't collected those massive podcast checks. Um. I didn't. Re- I thought, I thought that I, I, thought, I thought I was just gaining experience um, here in the podcast world. So just, I mean, I'm okay with that because Daddy's paying for Daddy paid for college, and you know. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, he's got a nice pool out back, but uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm here grinding, man. I'm just here grinding. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> Shout out Jenny Slater, who clearly does not listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> you know, you know that reminds me. I watched the uh, documentary of uh, Nexium. Oh my god, yes. That, number one, that was excellent. Number mm-hmm. two, like the the person now, which that one they did, which one did you watch? Because there's two of them. There was the, the one on stars, right? The one of stars, whichever and, one. Um, seduced. So that's the other one. Uh, I think Seduced is the one I watched. Okay. Maybe that, and so the blonde girl, uh, what's her name again? Uh, Sarah Becky. Oh, I'm just making up names. Yeah. Well, that's funny because oh, she reminds me of Allison Mack. Allison Mack. Yes. The Not Allison Mack. No, the, oh, no, her her slave. Sarah Edmondson, the Canadian, who started the Vancouver oh. office. No, the Catherine Yes. Wait, India the Canadian's Oxenberg. last name was Edmonton, like the city of Edmonton? No, Edmondson. Yeah, the Oxenberger, no. the, uh, the the royal. India. The, uh, India Oxenberg. India, India. Well, yeah. she looks, she's like the identical twin to uh, my daughter's best friend's mom. She fucking looks exactly like her. I, I mean, it is like, holy shit, that's like her twin. So I'm watching this whole thing. And I'm like, oh, Becky, no. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> is, is Becky's daughter Stacy? No, no, no. She has many daughters. Uh, but <laughs> no, it was just uh, it, I just I'm watching that and thinking like like her story, India's story there. It's just like, I don't know, maybe these people who get things handed to them really do have it rough because they have no fucking guidance in life. Like. Like none. Like this is your guidance, is you somehow, and then you end up being in a fucking cult. Well, I yeah. Know. I mean, I, the whole time my wife and I were watching it, you know. And again, just for context here, her aunt is in the Church of Scientology, like works for the Church of Scientology, right? And so we've oh, always oh. like kind of struggled with this whole like, how do you get into this, right? And and you just you sort of hear sort of the testimony, and it's like this. It's the same deal. It's like people who are looking for to find meaning in their life or all, all of a sudden looking too deeply into, into things that are basically word salads. 
and finding meaning in them because they're, they're injecting their own meaning into it. And then all of a sudden it sort of becomes this community and this family and the sense of belonging and you get sort of into it and, and you don't stop to think like, Hey, is this a cult? <laughs> like, am I in a cult? Like, can I leave are we now? Ta- we're, are we talking about USC recruiting right now? Is, <laughs> is that what's happening right now? <laughs> I don't believe so. Are we talking about people making? Are we talking about people making bad life choices and going somewhere that doesn't lead to prosperity? <laughs> Professionally, maybe. I mean, I'm just looking maybe. at USC quarterbacks. I don't know if you're a quarterback why you'd ever commit to the University of Southern California, seeing as how not a single one of them ever won a, a Super Bowl, and just about all of them bust. But uh, yeah, it sounds pretty cultish to me. How many? How many Alabama quarterbacks have won a Super Bowl? How many, oh, uh, how many Alabama I know, skill players? How many players have ever scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl? Uh, did Julio Jones score a Super Bowl in that famed twenty-eight to three Super Bowl game? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, does Namath count? <laughs> did Namath score a touchdown? I don't think he ran one in. I think that's it's like a, a long running joke, right? That the, there's an, no Alabama skill players yet to score a touchdown in a Super Bowl. I didn't make this yeah, up. Yeah, that's like no, no, no. You didn't. It, it's no, the same it's probably the USC quarterback. Yeah. I. Yeah, I don't know. I would. Uh, <laughs> I would say it's a. I would say it's a no, because they sure haven't in recent years. If Julio Jones didn't. I was mean, the most amazing. They'll, they'll, yeah, you know what? Of, they've only been a program for, you know, what ninety some years. Look at them. Look at them. The most amazing thing yeah, was yeah. that Mark Ingram was their first Heisman winner. Yeah, and I don't even think he deserved it that season. If we're going to be perfectly frank. Whoa. Well, go ahead and be perfectly frank because I'm fine with that. What's up? Frank? I wish you'd yeah. be Brandon, but okay, Frank's fine. <laughs> I I mean, there's an argument to be made for sure. Yeah, it should but have I mean, gone to Toby Gearhart. Anybody with eyeballs I, knew that it should have gone to Toby Gearhart. He didn't do enough beginning the season. Well, Probably nobody bit. watched their games. I think it's the, the the big thing. And really, Indominus Sue was the best player in college football that season. Uh, and that was, um, that was just about. I was just about to get to that. Like Indominus, but the problem with Indominus Sue was that he didn't have he didn't have the the fr- the front part of the season hype like Teo had that made his run to to number two that year. If Sue would have had that kind of hype early in this earlier in the season, that could have, I think it could have tipped the scale a little bit, but it was more like a late season run and things minds were already being made. I mean, for me, it was, it should have been Sue, but yeah, yeah, I think if you would have, I defer to the, that game he had against Texas was one of the greatest defensive performances I've ever seen from a singular player in I mean, the uh, Big 12 Michigan, championship game. As much as I hate Michigan, I still have a lot of respect for Woodson winning the Heisman as a defensive player. You know what I mean? That's like – you would have thought back then that, all right, this breaks the bullshit. And actually it only seemed like it got even more <laughs> emboldened after that. So like maybe another ten years they'll you know maybe this year Greg maybe they'll give Cal Hamilton the Heisman. 
Well, once he starts playing offense, I think it's yes. a no-brainer. I mean, that uh, we're going to have to give him like a red zone threat. Uh, yeah, like alert, kind of a nickname or some shit like that. Well, maybe, Mark, maybe Marcus will be more willing to share him than uh, Clark Lee was. Maybe. Maybe. I saw Clark Lee get a, a grade of a – they gave a coaching higher grades. And one was a guy from 24-7. The other one was from uh, Mike Farrell on Rivals. And Mike Farrell on Rivals gave Vanderbilt a D for hiring Clark Lee. A D. Yeah. Um, how does that – I, I, don't, I don't quite understand how the fuck that works. I know how it works because he hired Barton Simmons instead. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's like one of your smart – that's a smart-ass hire. If you're looking for a guy to like comb through film – Honest to God, who's better than a guy that that's all he's done? I mean, I've never been a big Barton Simmons fan, but he knows the game and he knows all there is to know about scouting high school players. You know, and I can think of him. The- I can, I can think of a guy who works for rivals who may or may not have given Clark Lee a D, um, who might think that he's just as good. Say what? Well, Mike Farrell, the reason he gave him a D is because he hired Barton Simmons instead, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was, that was, uh, I, I was kind of took it back. I mean, it's fucking Vanderbilt. Isn't that like a, isn't that a home run hire for Vandy? Who else are they going to get? I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's a home run, but yeah, I, 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 I agree with Brendan's it's point. It's the guy you is, want it. It's the guy you which want is, it. Who else, who else is dying to come to Vanderbilt? Like who? Who's get a retread? Like who, who would Mike Mike Farrell give an A to for for a hire that would legitimately like come to to, yeah, go to, to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt? All right, like they weren't bringing James Franklin walking through that door. And James Franklin wasn't James Franklin before he, they hired him. Right. You know he made his name there at Vandy. So it's an it's an incredibly like misleading kind of a thing. Like that's a great hire for Vanderbilt. It's the guy they wanted. Guy they targeted and the guy they got. I personally, I, I think they should have gone triple option head coach. Me too. I, I mean, Ken. I'm not. Ken I mean, this, look, or Kenny N. Yeah, this ain't a this ain't a a bit from me. I think for Vanderbilt, for where they've been at in the SEC, the experiment's over. Kind of like how Army when they went when they were Conference USA and they went to a pro style offense. Like no. You can't. The reason why Navy can compete, uh, you know, with better t- with teams with much more talent, is because they got a thing. Vanderbilt ain't getting that talent. You ain't gonna be able to compete year in and year out unless you have something. And it sure as shit ain't, ain't the air raid ain't gonna work. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're we're seeing that. Like it took one week in the SEC, and the Mike Leach was getting owned. But I think I think the triple option in the SEC. They should have. That, that my personal opinion. Like at least it gives you something to go off of. Now Georgia Tech, that was a huge. I think that was a huge mistake for them to go triple option. Because they have talent in the Atlanta area. Yeah, that's like it's it's unnecessary. And you're in a conference where you've been competitive. You've you know I mean, I mean Georgia Tech didn't have the reasoning behind it. Other than that, they just wanted to do that. It just it didn't make any sense. Like having Russell Athletic as their as their I mean, 
it was the Georgia tech during the Paul Johnson era was the most Lou Holtz, uh, Georgia tech teams possible. Well, yeah. Well, all right. So now that we got our 12 minutes of banner out of the way, <laughs> I'd like to hear I think it you, really was 12 minutes too. I'd like to hear a review. And I got to be honest with you. There was a t- Twitter comment about our last podcast that made me crack up pretty hard. And it wasn't like a review well, per se, but it was just a guy talking to his wife about something we were talking about and just saying, Oh yeah, like, Doug, Doug. Yeah. yeah. That was great. Uh, that was great. God, what, what was that about? So, we were talking about the fact that you were pissed off at you were watching the uh, 2008 oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, San Diego yeah, yeah, State yeah. game at a wedding and just how you yeah. had like and all the pictures had a frown on your face or whatever. And he's like, that totally would have been me. And his wife was like, yeah, you would have been in a lot of trouble, too. So it, it was like yeah, they, still, they just related to the, the story, which I thought was great. Yeah, Keek still brings like that shit of, up to, to this day. So <laughs> I, I would I would I would think there'd be a lot of of. Uh, Married guys out there that could probably relate to that a little bit, or divorced guys by that time <laughs> could have that story. <laughs> Maybe that led to a really bad uh, lawyer bill uh, a few months later. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I feel like we go through, we all go through that part of our lives where, where we come to this reckoning where Notre Dame, like losing, has somehow impacted our ability to be happy during the week, the remainder of yes. that week, and you just say to yourself, like, is it time that I got less emotionally invested in this? You know, and some no. guys, they never shake it. And some guys are just like, so this isn't worth my mental health. Basically you know? what I've done, what I've done is and it's because it's strictly out of spite is because my, I remember my wife mentioning that to me once about, I was just being an asshole because Notre Dame had lost. And really it was because, she had done something stupid and it pissed me off. But so, but so since that moment, like I'm actually very enjoyable person to be around after a Notre Dame loss. Like I have completely flipped my public anywhere outside of where there, there's anybody around me now, but in, internally I'm exploding with anger and, <laughs> and maybe dying a little inside but externally, I've become a little better. Uh, or I mean, I've just I have a joy to be around after a Notre Dame loss to people that now, if it was like me and you, Jude, or you know, or us three, it's a lot different. You all, you you get it, you understand. But like other people, my family, uh, other people that I'm around that aren't into college football, or whatever, uh, they would never know. Um. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think there's a great story to be written, and you'd have to get like a, a psychi- psychologist, psychiatrist. I'm not sure what the right, the right term is, therapist or whatever, uh, to talk about the mental fracturing that the 2011 Michigan game put on Notre Dame fans, because everyone ta- kind of talks not... about that as as an inflection oh. point in a way that like. We didn't get hurt. We didn't get hurt nearly as bad by the 2013 BCS game, or no. you know, maybe the 2000. So I got a little story about ACC the 2011 Michigan game. game. Okay, oh, I, I, so... I don't. I think I've I think I've told it before, but may, but maybe not. So, uh, 
a good friend of Wes. Uh, he used he used to throw uh, one party a year uh, for an outdoor viewing party. So his dad was a, a executive at Sweetwater in Fort Wayne, which is a huge national company for like lights, sound equipment, like not just like for you to dick around at home, but for like massive bands and shit. They got recording studios there. It's it's a huge Sweetwater's a huge deal. It's a big company. So he's got all this cool that's why Wes's Wes's shit always sounded so good. He had all the cool toys. So he had this giant, you know, like inflatable outdoor screen and a really fucking high end uh, projection uh thing going on. So he and he would throw an outdoor party each year, which I think, which I think is great. Like we should like cool, like do a cold weather outdoor viewing party. They're, they're fun as hell. We do that. We do an outdoor party every year. We pick yeah, one game every I mean, year and we do an outdoor party. They're great. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely great. So 2011, we had just, uh, in May, we had just had, uh, my oldest son, Ryan. So this is, you know, this is September. It's just a few months later. So, you know, we still got the, the wee babe and we really haven't done much. Like all summer, we just kind of stayed home and all that. But, uh, you know, here comes the party and sets up my wife. I'm like, Hey, you want to go? She's like, yeah, you know, that'd be fun. Let's get out. You know what? So, but you know, we breastfeed. So these things are, you know, these things become a lot trickier than, you know, just we're going to go do this. So she was a little bit of a mood that day when we were leaving and she's, she was kind of like on the edge of like changing her mind. And then she's like, she's like, just pack all the stuff that needs to go. So I go pack everything and we get to the party and, uh, and everything's going great. Right. Like we're winning. I get, and you know, things are going well, you know, here comes halftime and Wes has got a, 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 he had a room in his house for met for a baby. I can't remember which child it was, you know, he's got like 20 of them now. Uh, but it was a nursery ready to go for her to go up and use the pump. Somebody cool. forgot to pack the somebody forgot to pack the horns, and Ooh. that would be me. Ooh. So we're having a little bit of an issue. <laughs> Bursting to full. What's that? Bursting yeah, to full. Yeah, we are having a, we're having a little bit of an issue. Uh, there might have been a little bit of an argument. Uh, there might have been a little bit of uh, Wes offering their horns to us, Ooh. and my wife giving me the dirtiest look. Uh, that part I can't quite remember, uh, cause I had been drinking. So <laughs> long story short is we had to go. So we left and Notre Dame's winning 24 seven. Mind you entering the fourth quarter and mind you what Wes and I don't have a good track record of watching games together as it was so that we thought that maybe this was a good thing. Uh, actually, uh, well, this is more in hindsight, but. Yeah, but then we get home and all that shit happens, and uh, it was just—it was just the worst night for me. Like, what, what it was, was supposed to be the coolest thing, outdoor party, 2011 game, but then you know someone forgot to pack some equipment, and then the fucking wheels all fall off. So the you know I'm sitting around, uh, you know, sitting in my house with my mother-in-law and my wife watching, like, and they're just chit-chatting about just random ass shit, normal ass shit, and I'm dying watching what's happening to Notre Dame at the end of this game, like just fucking dying and, but having to maintain some level of composure while they're around. 
It was it was absolutely fucking awful. So that's one of the reasons why Wes and I can't watch games together. We and then we went to uh, the 2011 S, the SC game together a few oh, weeks no. after that, which I had spent like weeks talking to ushers about finding a spot inside the stadium, like a room for for Carrie to pump because I was gonna take her. Uh, and then she backed out last second, went with Wes. We sat there right with the fucking USC band that was back before Notre Dame was cool. I mean, it may be petty that Notre Dame sticks the opposing fan or opposing band way up there. I think it's fucking great. But we sat right with the damn band pretty much. And it was awful. Did, uh, Dane, did Dane Chris fumble on your side or on the opposite side? No, it was, uh, it was on the other side. No, Dane Chris fumbled. Uh, oh, so you got, he was, so you got, he got to watch the, the touchdown back. come back towards you. Oh, yes, great. yes, oh, yes. Wow. With, with with USC's band right next to us. Wow. Oh, it was tragic. So I think uh, yeah. foreshadow, hashtag foreshadowing. Foreshadowing to me, some stuff we're going to get into tonight. So let's <laughs> I don't even know can that. I, can I just give that, you, can I give you the list of games that we hosted for outdoor parties in the last decade? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. This is going to be bad. I know it. Go ahead. 2010, we hosted Little Giants. Oof. 2011, we hosted Michigan. Uh, 2012, we hosted Michigan State, so that's okay. Okay. 20, 2013, we hosted that Michigan game, and we had a dual projector going, and it was a disaster. Um, 2014, we went on hiatus. 2015, we waited until October for the Clemson game. Oof. Mm. 2016, we had a huge party. Michigan for State. The- Michigan State game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was brutal. Uh, 2017 was Georgia. 2018 was Michigan. And we decided to go off on a high note and haven't had one since. Oh, I was going to say, what game are you playing in for 2021? Because <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just put down the L now. Just just put it down. Yeah. They're a great time. They're great fun. They really are. Oh, it's great. It is. It is great. Um, and I'm not a I'm not a guy that wants to go to the bar to watch a game. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like I will I I'll be in a closet with my phone and my earbuds, and I'm happy. Uh, if but uh, but the outdoor parties, there's they're just uh, it, it feels like you know if you get enough fans there, uh, you know it feels a little more stadium esque, a little nicer. They got some some breath, some cool air around you. All right, let's get to the review and get get this show on the road. It's a foreshadowing, though, for sure, uh, for what's coming up tonight. Um, get your ass over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a review, good people. Um, all your reviews that you leave, leave there, I will read on the next OFD podcast. Uh, we've had really quite a bit over the last year and a half. They've, 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 most of them have been great. Some of them are fucking shitty as hell, uh, especially the ones forcing me to read some BS, but they're all appreciated nonetheless. Uh, so this one is a five star from Golden Domer 50. Five stars. What up, fellas? This is by far my favorite indie podcast. I'm originally from a small town in Nevada and now live in Sacramento. So typically when I bring up ND, there is an eye roll and a sigh. It got a little better once I moved to Sacramento because Ian Book is from nearby El Dorado Hills. But needless to say, I have never been able to talk in depth to anyone else about my favorite team. This podcast changed all of that, though, because the majority of conversations you guys have, I usually have by myself. This guy's talking to himself. This is <laughs> this is therapy. Uh, 
So I'll be either nodding in agreement or refuting the points that were made to no one, which means I am sure all of the all of the people I pass on my commute see me as a crazy guy talking with no one in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feel. He, he put an LOL in there because that is funny. Uh, anyways, my question is, after seeing how we did it in the ACC this year, what do you think about ND taking a five-year stretch and playing each Power Five conference for those five st- years straight? For example, 20, ACC, 21, SEC, and so on. How do you think they would do it in each conference? Well, thanks for the uh, thank you so much for the for the co- for the comment there, the review, Golden Domer, and let me just say your question. I think we're all we're all. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. I think we're all. I I would love it if they just went ahead and did that. They can I mean, win uh, every year the Pac-12 and the Big 12, right? I don't think that it's a question. Over the last half decade, Notre Dame would have won the Pac-12 and the Big 12 just about every year. Well, I guess the other thing is it comes down to timing a little bit too, right? Which is, do you want to you want to play the SEC in a year in which you're trying to get Brendan Clark or Drew Pine up to speed or whatever, or do you want to play in the SEC last year? You know, I just think it's well, like the ultimate. This is like this is like Shamrock Series, like with Gamma Ray uh, X Men style. I mean, this is just like. If you could schedule like five to six games in each conference, like one year, and then the next year move on, I just think how a how interesting that would be. Uh, I don't know, man. I just think that's cool as shit. I think that would be cool as hell. Now, like the pack, it's funny. It, it, would, it would piss off conference. a lot of people. Oh yeah, it would piss off everybody until right. you're playing that conference that year, and then the stadiums are fucking standing room only. You know, I'm, I mean, you know, it's it makes everybody mad except for the people that are making money, right? Uh, when the fans get to go see the funny is though is that Notre Dame is now has has worked themselves into a situation now where outside of their ACC agreement they play the Pac-12 more than anybody else. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got two scheduled games a year against the Pac-12. It's just, you know, one of those things. I don't. I I think it'd be cool. I think as an independent, you could definitely like. You could have definitely have worked this before pre-ACC agreement. You could have definitely like done this as like a like a Da Vinci Code style scheduling. Uh, but I mean, it's not possible now. But I think it'd be dope. I mean, we, how many games did we do, Jude? I think you might know this a little better. Wasn't there a, a season or two like in the last like thirty years? Didn't we have like four Big Ten games? Well, let's think about this. We played Purdue, okay. Michigan State, Michigan all in the same year for sure. Uh, right. So what about in 91 when we played Indiana? Did did we play all three of those other schools too? Mm. What year? 91. Well, 91. Yeah. We did play Indiana in 91. That's the first NBC game. Played Michigan, Michigan yeah. State, and Purdue. Yeah, it's the first four games, so all, all uh, Big Ten teams. Yeah. So you're close there. Close. And then you play Penn State, future Big Ten. Yeah, Penn Ten, yeah, later on. Future Penn State, Penn Ten, well, Big Ten team. Huh. And the next year, you start with Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. All Big Ten. So there, yeah, yeah, that, that okay. We're kind yeah. of. And then Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue in 93. 
Yeah, I thought there was some times where it was it was four. Okay. Yeah, 94, same deal. And then 95 is when you start getting away from it. Yeah. Because, yeah, Texas and Ohio State. Yeah, Michigan dropped off. Well, Ohio State is a big big 10 school. Yeah, picked up the slack. Yeah. Northwestern and Purdue, and then Ohio State. I'd like – so if we like scheduled the SEC, I would like uh, hold up. Uh, 2006 like was Penn State. 2006 was Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. That's that's four, right? That's just that, as much. And that was Penn State legit Big Ten team then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so was nine what about four. 07? Brady Quinn's best win. What about 07 when we went to Happy Valley? Uh, that was Michigan that year. Penn State, Michigan, Michigan yeah, State, Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely played Purdue. That was the uh we found out Golden Tate could run really fast against Purdue in 07. <laughs> like just just throw him the fucking ball. <laughs> just go deep. Uh, yeah, if we played the SEC, I, I would have a five team like want list of like we ha- so we get both Mississippis, Vanderbilt, uh South Carolina, <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, in Arkansas. Schedule, schedule those five up. Go five and zero, oh, and then say you're SC, declare yourself SEC champions. I love it. <laughs> that way, every Alabama, Auburn, and Florida, Georgia fan can lose their fucking mind. Talking, and then they can shit talk their own schedule. That's my favorite part about you Notre Dame. Nothing but cupcakes. Is when they talk about you. Whenever I talk about their shit schedule, quote, you know, supposedly, uh, then it's like, all right, well, which teams for your conference? Oh, okay. I do love the fact that we have made a concerted effort to gloss over the fact that there was not a question Notre Dame would win the Big 12, right? And if they had five against the Big 12, that would just be stupendous. I mean, I mean Brian Kelly who, said it best. They, they played defense in South Bend. Yeah. Who's giving them a hard time? Oklahoma, right? I mean, maybe. Are, is Oklahoma? I, I don't I know. Oklahoma has a hard... Oklahoma has a hard ass time playing Iowa State. Yeah. And, Are you trying to transit a property between two seasons here? Not really transitive. I'm just no because because like, Iowa State popped them that. I'm talking about like style. I'm talking about style of play. There's much shit talk as you play with, talk about Iowa State is they still play a phys, like a physical brand of of football, and Oklahoma struggles with that. I mean, when Kansas State amps it up like that. Yeah, I mean that's when that's when Kansas State gets the upsets. It's when they can they can out physical, you know, Oklahoma like that. The the whole reason why people talk about Matt Campbell is is it's because he beats Oklahoma in 2019 where we housed them 33 How many wins to nine against Iowa. Uh, the same number of wins that Notre Dame has uh, played against Arkansas. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, he took he took Oklahoma to the wire forty. He lost forty one forty two against that Iowa Iowa team that couldn't hit double digits in twenty nineteen. <laughs> Something else. All right, so we need to get going here, and uh, we we got to talk about something that uh, you know, Lewis Nix passing away this week. A car accident, and then today some some details kind of came out about 
um, it truly being an accident. Uh, whatever happened uh, ended up in a pond in his car. Um, I mean, it's just it's fucking terrible. Uh, and because uh, because Lewis Nix is who he is or who he was, it it really has brought out you know fans and teammates, you know, to, to tell the story about him because he was one of the more unique individuals that Notre Dame's had got in, in my entire life. I mean, honestly, I mean, there, you know, there's, there's been some characters on Notre Dame's football program, but Lewis Nix is, is right there on the top of the list, you know, for, for guys that, that just stand out for, for their personality and who they are. Uh, and, but by the way, and I love the, uh, Irish illustrated podcast today, um, made sure to knock this in a little bit. Like, there's a big reason why Van Teo was what he was. It was because he had Lewis Nix in front of him. Yeah. And a lot of people will tell you that. And it, that, <clears throat> that fact should never be forgotten um, again by anybody about how good of a player he was at Notre Dame. Um, it just, I, there's so much about him that uh, is unique and uplifting. You know, the fact that where he came from, uh, you know, Brian Kelly talked about it today. I wasn't in on the, the press conference today with, with Kelly, um, but it was fairly brief, but he had some, some things to say and answer some questions, but you know, like rains in a school in a, he's just saying, you know, you don't have to go to just these pro profile fit schools. Lewis Nix was not in any type of profile for Notre Dame. And yeah, that's what he wanted to do. And he, then he committed to Notre Dame with no coach. Like his mind was set on going to Notre Dame. And that fact alone with Knicks and the fact that here you are a four-star defensive tackle from the state of Florida and you're committing to Notre Dame of all places without a coach. Uh, it was just it, that right there pretty much locked him in with a lot of Irish fans. And certainly it stuck out with me the most uh, of anything. It was just like, this guy was determined to come here and, you know, within, you know, you, you know that things weren't easy for him. He, you know, he thought about leaving, you know, he stuck it out and he's going to be one of the all time. He's going to be one of the all time fan favorites for many years. And you're talking about hey, who's some of your favorite players <clears throat> because there's so much you know, great play on the field, but also just so much to him as a person. And it was a, a damn tragedy. Yeah. He was my wife's favorite player. Um, Big Lou, when when he scored that two point conversion in the blue goal game, uh, both of us were watching it and we're out of our chairs uh, cheering. I mean, I'll never forget that video where uh, um, they're taking. The, I don't remember where the plane was going to, but Big Lou tells uh, Golson it was during the 2012 run. Uh, don't don't do too much. Uh, and the kid was just gregarious and a joy to watch on the field and then off the field as well. And you could tell that there was a real connection between him and Kelly too, uh, that the way that the, the two of them seemed to uh, really hit off, um, which I think for me softened Kelly's image a little bit. Cause during the, you know, obviously purple face Kelly uh, of 2011, but for me, seeing his interactions with Lou on the sideline and then letting him do you know, what he did in that 2013 Blue Gold game, 
um, it really softened, helped soften Brian's image for me, just the way that, that Lewis was. I guess the, the thing that I'm probably going to remember the most is he was the first, he was the first um, guy that I really remember knowing of his personality, um, you know, knowing him more off the, as much off the field as on the field. Um, you know, obviously the Showtime series got us a lot of figure out Sheldon Day and Jerry Tillery and some other guys or whatever. But before all that, there was uh, Chocolate News. And it's, it, you know, it's a real shame that they don't exist on YouTube anymore because they were they were funny. Um, yeah. And I, I think it was kind of a, a time of a time period where Fighting Irish Media really didn't know what it wanted to do. But, you know, they knew that Lou was sub was kind of like a bright bulb and that, you know, we'd all kind of flock towards whatever he was doing, no matter how silly it was. And um, I think I, I just feel like that's why a lot of us kind of gravitated towards him. He was just uh, he, he just seemed like a kind of a fun guy to uh, to know and to be around and to listen to. Um, that's I think that's the thing that sticks with me the most. Yeah, when. Uh... I guess I, uh, I guess it was Spencer Hall tweeted it out and, you know, he said, you know, Lewis Nix was the funnest Notre Dame player ever. You know, like he stood, he stood out to not just Notre Dame fans, but to others because he stood out as being something different and be being something other than a, your typical kind of Notre Dame player. Uh, and it's just, you know, he, he leaves kind of a legacy of, of uh, uh, just you know making people smile, like like people were generally you know, you know all the, a lot of the things I've seen over the last few days are just how you know how fun he was to be around. John uh, Jones <laughs> didn't have some good times with him. Or, yeah, I thought that was that was a funny thing how they kind of butted heads, uh, you know, back and forth. Some fun stuff to read, but yeah, I mean, Jerron remembers I, the time said that that Lou got on him, and you know, in retrospect, Jerron was like he was just he was trying to make me a better player, and I didn't I didn't want to hear it sometimes, but you know, it was always on point. Basically, he was never he was never berating me to to just to, to it was it wasn't a superiority thing. It was a let's make this team better, and I know you have it in you sort of vibe, you know. Yeah, it's just the, the whole the whole damn thing. And I, it's just terrible. I, and, and again, you know, Lewis Nix is gone, and and, and I just you know you, you start to think about is there more that that could have been done for Lou after he got shot? And they, I mean, the community raised forty two thousand dollars for him. I feel like, and you know, people were checking in on him, um, but I just I. I can't help but connect this to something else that's going on, which is the Brandon Hoyt thing. And and you may have heard me talk about it on Twitter, but Brandon Hoyt was a captain of the of the of a Weiss era of football team, and it was in the university from 2001 to 2005. Um, he's in jail now, and he's in he's in a jail in San Diego, and he's got some charges against him. But from everybody that I've talked to and people who have who have seen Brandon recently, he's just He's from what I've been told, he's not in he's not in a good way. 
he's got some neurological issues. They're definitely related to him playing football. And I just, I feel like so strongly about the fact that, you know, we, we think so highly of these guys and we root for them and we cheer for them and they're a reflection of our university and we enjoy their time and we enjoy what they do on the field for us. And then when they graduate, we just assume that they go off and, you know, make successes of themselves. But we really, I don't think we really ever think about it. And we certainly don't think about the people that are, that are struggling. And so I just think it's so important, especially in light of this Lou, Lou stuff is just, you know, six, six people dead during the, the Kelly era, all the people in their twenties, just all gone too soon. It's just, I, I, I hate to see us lose anybody else. And, you know, maybe, Maybe Brandon's where he needs to be right now, um, and maybe he's getting. Hopefully, he's getting the help that that he so desperately needs. But um, I just I I pray for all of them because they gave some they gave their bodies to Notre Dame. I mean, it, whether it's brain stuff or body stuff, it's just you know that that stuff takes a toll. And 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 Lou is never the same after his knee injury at the end of his Notre Dame career. So right, just I think it all just yeah, I think undersco- underscores the point that we have to. There's, I, I don't know. If there's just something that needs to be done. We're all family, you know, and it, it just, it feels like it, it just needs to. We need to do a better job, just keeping track of these guys and and making sure that you know they're okay. And I'm not saying we need to give them a handout, but at the same time, we just we need we need to just keep tabs on guys and just make sure that they're doing all right. You know. Let me let me just be clear. I have no problems giving a handout to anybody. If somebody's taking a handout, it's because they fucking need it. I, I don't care what reason or, or what, if it was there, if somebody needs a fucking handout, I will give them a handout every time. I don't care. Uh, and I, I know I'm not alone in that thought, but I know that's a minority opinion shared by a lot of people, but I don't know, somebody needs some help, man. I just, I want to help them. I don't care what that means. If I can do it, I'm more than willing to, to try to help. But I think also something you said, you know, just kind of highlights the, uh, you know, just something that I, you know, I thought about the other night, you know, when we found out just like, there is a, a growing list of Notre Dame football tragedies and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, and, and I'm not even sure if the reasons matter as much as I, you know, I don't know, but it's just that there has been a lot of young guys dying. Or young guys getting in trouble. I mean, just it. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's disheartening. I mean, I I thought a lot about like the Atkinson brothers, and how I mean that how incredibly you know terrible and how how sad that is uh, when you start piecing together you know th- that whole thing with them. And it's just I don't know. It's a long list. I think we said what six, uh, and then I mean that doesn't include. Uh, like Declan Sullivan, you know, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely, yeah, it is a, it is a dark cloud that hangs over. And and again, the whole, what happened with Lewis Nix appears to be nothing more than just a, a pure accident, a, a car accident. Um, but it doesn't change the fact of the end results. And, and it's still the same. It's still incredibly sad. Somebody, died way before they should have, I mean, way before. So, and you know, they're no longer around. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I it, it's hard to, I, I had a hard time this weekend with with all this. And, uh, I don't know. So before we move on uh, to, to, to talk about some fun things and laugh and all that, I guess I just want to tell y'all, you know, like, you know, love your people, love your people. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm not good at, at, uh, moving along. Things, so this is, yeah, I'm not good at segues. I can't even say that. <laughs> I couldn't even think of the damn word segue. Uh, I, I don't know. I could probably write a segue pretty good, but, uh, so we're just going to very bluntly move on. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, so tonight I'm always amused that at when Jude gets a burr up his ass about something, and it has nothing to do with me. Uh, when does that happen? Uh, <laughs> you know, some of the hills that Jude gets on, are, I, I'm kind of like, come on, does he really want to be on that hill? And which I, I, I assure you is mutual. <laughs> what fucking hill are you talking about, buddy? Uh, but so something I saw the uh, uh, on Twitter was, you know, someone was ranking like the best wins of the Notre Dame and the guy had left some shit out. some pretty blatant shit. And here comes Jude spreadsheets and fucking all, <laughs> <laughs> which, <laughs> which only added to the, uh, let me get my popcorn feature for me. Uh, so what they got me thinking. So this week, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, maybe not just the best, like what was the best wins in our name history or, and we're talking about, or in the Brian Kelly era, uh, but like our favorite. So we're going to round Robin it. We we're each going to have, uh, give five turns of this. Uh, and we're going to, and each one's going to be, have to be different. And before we move on though, it's like, how great is this that we have, we've had a coach long enough. <laughs> what's your, what's your 20 favorite wins of the Charlie Weiss era? <laughs> right. Like we, I think it was last podcast. We talked about your best five wins of the, of the Ty Willingham era. Yeah. And like it, that went pretty quick, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, gee, I, I don't know when Judy gets a burp his ass on Twitter. It's, uh, comical to say the least. Especially when he starts bringing fucking spreadsheets to the table, like I did the research for you. So this just is a little backstory. This all started years ago, where um, this guy uh, Fresno Domer was writing for for her loyal sons, and I was writing for her loyal sons at the time. And he did like a top five wins of the Brian Kelly era, and I was just like, he had he put like 2002 USC, and I was just like, that's just not right, you know. And I was just very like fired up about it or whatever. And then I found out that fan consensus is very, very high in certain games that I just did not feel are, were the best games. And so I know tonight we're not going to talk about the best wins of the Brian Kelly era. We're talking about favorite, which are, which is definitely a different topic, but I just want to say that um, if I don't pick your game, it's because I don't like you. I mean, it's probably because I just don't feel strongly about that. You know, I, I feel You're gonna God if, for you. If I, if I, if I say that, if I say 2002 USC, or 2012 USC, I, I don't know why 2012 Wake Forest isn't equally as important. 
and I know the whole as arrival, you know. Oh my block. God, Jude! I but, I feel the rounds coming tonight. Yeah, I get it. When when you said uh, 2002 USC originally on the first go, <laughs> I was just sitting there trying to recall my favorite first half uh, touchdown that Notre Dame had. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. That that's a nice streak of Notre Dame going to uh, USC with a nice ranking, getting waxed. So, yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, and, uh, but on on top of that, oh, no, we got more. We're also going to provide uh, you with, like, three of the worst games of uh, which will, I guess, will come out to nine, which is quite a bit. But I think it'd be pre- I think it'd be just as easy uh, <laughs> to come up with those uh, of the uh, Brian Kelly era. Um so uh, I think we'll do this youngest to oldest. And so Brendan, that'll go Brendan, Jude, and then me. Okay. So, hey there. Hey there, young pup. Let's kick yeah. it off, man. So What's I'm not going to, I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to steal anybody. I'm not going to steal some of the, the classic gems. Um, but I think the one that I am going to go with, uh, it doesn't go in any sort of particular order, but 2017 Michigan State for me was very cathartic. And um, as far as Brian Kelly wins goes, um, it sort of got the taste out of my mouth. That It helped cement getting the taste out of my mouth. It was that 2016 season. And it got the helped get the Michigan State because uh, 2016 Michigan State game was brutal. Um, and going into that game, I was you know post Georgia, not sure if Notre Dame was great or not. And uh, everything about the first half of that game was just an absolute delight to see the look on Mark D'Antonio's face as he's getting boat raced in the first half. <laughs> and for me to see that man just like scowl because you know he always scowls but okay he'll do that like scowl smile like at the end of little giants and he was a guy that had our number for a number of years and uh but not really he only i mean i mean he had little giants then the 16 thing but that i don't don't really feel like that was a number of years right kelly had a a, a, michigan Michigan state in general has had oh yeah yes yes yeah Right, it, it's why Michigan State's always my number two. Uh, I guess another thing about that game. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's it's more, um, you know, from what uh, two thousand or from nineteen ninety seven. Now you're bringing up old bills, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but them old bills still get paid. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, Mork, uh, Mork D'Antonio, D'Antonio, uh, <laughs> Mike D'Antoni, what? He started off his career three and one against Notre Dame. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna say too that that 17 Michigan State game, the, I, you know, I already said you know I missed most of the first half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Said that on a, on a pod not too long ago, but watching the footage of the game of the uh, locker room post game is one of the more iconic things for me. 
seeing Ke- you know Kelly dancing around a post Malone. Uh, what he did to that, what he did to that megaphone, might be considered a crime in some states. Uh, <laughs> with the violent way he, I mean, it was it was a good time. And coming off of that, again, coming off of that 2016 season, there was a lot of pent up frustration. You know, you know, Kelly wanted that one fucking badly. Yeah. Like that, this wasn't, you know, for some fans dismiss the Michigan state game, which I can't, I can't figure you out and I'm not even going to try, but you know, this was a big one for Kelly personally. And to put, to help put 2016 behind him, I don't know. It was, it was fantastic. Look, look, the man went, went purple inside the locker room celebrating. Uh, so clearly uh, he has very active pigment. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a really good one. That that it was, was a ten a win. Good. It was a ten win Sparty. It's an interesting first pick. I like it. All right, I am second youngest, also known as second oldest. So I'll go next. Um, I'm going to go with the obvious play here. Look. Uh, one of my favorite memories of spending time with you guys and Greg was the feeling that we all felt collectively after that November 7th game against Clemson, um, beating the number one ranked team. The, the, the idea that that Notre Dame was well on its way to a playoff appearance again for the second time in three years, that knowing that we could play with anybody and that in the biggest night um, after so many disappointments, of the Brady Quinn era of, of so many disappointments in general. <laughs> I'm just not gonna <laughs> Brady <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Brady. Um, that, you know, finally we, we take down the number one team and I just, I love that game. Uh, I think it would have been so cool to have fans there or more fans there. Um, and so that's going to always be one of my favorite games. Oh, well, that, I mean, I, I, I honestly think that that game is going to be undersold for a few more years. And then after that, it'll be put in its proper place. But so let me ask you, do you think the fans, uh, not so much with the, the whole Lawrence thing and all that, but just knowing that you had to play him again, did, did it, did it lessen it anymore for you? Not, not cheapen it, but lessen it anymore. Yeah, no, no, because I you can't take away the feeling that I felt at no, eleven thirty no. midnight on November seventh. You just can't take it away. It was a great, was a great no, podcast. I, I I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment. Um, but I do think the fact that they ended up having to play Clemson again historically, it was my favorite moment of being a Notre Dame fan basically since the night that Oregon and Kansas State lost. Uh, it was a great night that got flipped. <laughs> and I mean, next to that, that this, the, the Clemson game was my absolute favorite, but I think that I would be remiss not to include the fact that they, you knew they had to play him again and that the way that they played him again and the way that it played out is it does regretfully sort of, it jades my opinion. And it shouldn't because it was just like, you know, what happened against Alabama jades the, the night that we had getting to light up Grace Hall. Um, 
but that that happens anytime you don't win a title, right? Right. Is something that's right. going to jade the feelings that you had. So I mean, and all of the ones have that. I mean, the uh, I don't know that that Clemson game, and I rewatched it again the other night. Um, it again, it's just there's so much about this last season that was just lacking because of the whole COVID thing with with the fans and all that. It's just not having like not being able to hear like the roar of the crowd when Avery Davis caught what was like seemingly like the only, like how many times do you see a bomb like that from book to Davis? That just, you know, like, or, or, or as Jude likes to mention a lot too, is like, or just getting that big pass, that big long pass, you know, late in, in the, the game. Spot. It's just wasn't, it wasn't in the cards most times. And so all that happened, that was, that was, a. I mean, I don't know who the fuck I woke up in the state of Ohio, but I was loud, <laughs> extremely loud when it happened. I, I was, uh, the, one of the few times I thought about, um, you know, not being in there in the press box, but it was, when I was watching that game, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I would've been able to hold that one back <laughs> if I was in the box. Cause that, that kind of just came out of fucking nowhere. That's how good of a feeling that was. That's like that un- uncontrollable, you know, yelp, that barbaric yelp. <clears throat> it was good. And anytime Dabo Sweeney loses, I mean, it's fucking good. It was so good. It, it feels good to be Dabo. All right, Josh, your turn, buddy. All right. All right. So I will, I'll end this round with, um, I'm not sure if it's my favorite favorite, but it, it man, it really ranks up there for me. And that is 2010 USC. Mm, yep. Notre Dame had not beaten USC. What was it? Was it eight straight? The nine straight. 2001 was the last time. Yeah. 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 So it had been more than a hot minute and there had been a, and not just, I mean, people think about that 05 uh, USD game, but like, think about like all the ass poundings in between and all the friends we made. Uh, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, it had to end. It needed to fucking end. But it was also like bigger than that, too. For I mean, it was, Brian Kelly's first year was a very uh, chaotic time. Uh, and tragedy in itself with Declan Sullivan, uh, and then you lose to Tulsa. Navy. Notre Dame was able to to really pull it together there at the end of the season, and you know maybe we'll bring this game up, maybe we won't on our list, but you know the Utah game. <clears throat> there's a reason why fans rush the field against Utah, uh, and it, it was it's more complicated than just beating a ranked team. It was, there was a lot going on. Uh, but for Notre Dame to to end their regular season the way they did uh, was a four, winning four straight and to yeah. slay the dragon, as Brendan and I like to say uh, quite a bit. You know, they were able to slay the dragon in USC was just awesome. It was fucking awesome. I remember that game uh, pretty clearly. Uh, Robert Hughes. I mean, just it, it was awesome. I don't care if USC was hadn't won a game that season. It was time to beat them. That is your rival. It's, it's time to, to end this bullshit. 
And they did. I mean, it, it was from that moment on, the entire rivalry Flip. has changed in the, for the course of the decade. Right. I mean, they lost in the next year at home and they lost in 16. But other than that, this has been Notre Dame's rivalry to own now. So it, that changed so much of what we felt that decade prior. Um, it was a great seven night. And three yeah, last, they, really, seven and three in the last decade. Seven and three in the last decade. Yeah. It's a, you know, that, 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 that's your main dog. That's your big rival. And you haven't been able to beat them. And you, you went out there to their fucking house and you beat them. That's huge. I had, I mean, it, it's, that was another one of those sort of cathartic wins. Um, seeing Lane Kiffin in the pouring rain, spinning his play sheet around as he's kind of like crouched down as the rain's falling. And Robert Hughes is carrying like 17 Trojan defenders <laughs> on his back, uh, just fighting for yards. That final drive with true freshman number 13, Tommy Reese under center. Um, yeah, Michael Floyd making big Get catches. Him, that was that was that game was a a thing of beaut. That was it was a beaut. And then Robert was it Robert Woods who slid um, on on a play that might have ended up. I think it was. I think he broke free and then uh, he he slipped um, on on what would have been like a, a game winning touchdown. I think that I think that's what happened at the end, right? Uh, classic. Schadenfreude. I think Harrison Smith was involved in that play, right? Yeah, I think Harrison Smith, yeah. uh, it was a broken assignment, too. Yeah. The football no. guys are with us. Yeah. All right, Brendan. All right, Here's well, um, we took some, some – I went with a not-so-obvious, and uh, you boys took some good ones. So I'll just grab a good one, too. Um, 2015 Texas, the performance that um, – Malik Zaire put on in that football game might be the greatest quarterback performance this side of, um, I can't even remember. Jimmy Clausen, Hawaii bowl, uh, Jimmy Clausen, Hawaii bowl. Um, in comically, uh, the level of competition on the other side of the field ended up probably being about the same as that 2015 uh, Texas team was, uh, uh <laughs> trash. Uh, but yeah, at the time, I mean, Texas, we still thought was Texas. And, and just, I remember watching that game and seeing what Malik Zaire did to Texas and admit it. You thought national championship in Heisman watching that football game, right? Like the defense is holding Texas to three points. Um, Malik I thought we were Zaire, well on our way. I thought it was, I thought it was a title team. Yeah. I thought that was a title team watching that football game. And we had a Heisman contender in uh, Zaire, and I was absolutely ecstatic um, watching, you know. And then, you know, the injuries mounted up over, in our name. Well, you were even able to overcome Folston getting hurt, like on this, what, suck, his second run of the day? Yeah, second run of the day. Or, over that, here, comes shot, a, yeah. here comes a freshman, Josh Adams, first carry touchdown. You're like, oh. Well, this this looks pretty easy. We could do. <laughs> they they got themselves a good running back. 
uh, well, yeah, ProSize, right? It was it was ProSize that stepped in, and uh, I, I think you, I just talked about yeah, I think Adams, yeah, you know, Adams, you know yeah. coming off there as his, his first carry. Pro, and if you, if you remember, people were way more excited about Dexter Williams than they were about Josh Adams because Josh Adams had been coming off a torn ACL at the end of his high school career. So right. That was kind of, it. Fired me. It fired me up to see that Josh Adams was scoring. You know, it's just a shame yeah. we couldn't keep ProSize healthy that year. Yeah, yeah, he ran towards that. Right? But but it was just what a runner! God damn, what yeah. a runner! He just yeah. missed it. He went uh, he went twenty for ninety eight in that game. Procise did. Uh, dude, next one. So, the thing I remember a little bit about the the, the two thousand twelve season is that. I think there was a lot of people who just thought that it was kind of smoke and mirrors. You know, he had Notre Dame really jumping up in the rankings by beating a Michigan State team, which turned out was ten, number, ranked number 10 at the time, but turned out to be not very good. And now they're cr- slowly crawling up the, the top five. They got the goal line stand against Stanford, which, again, was seen as a good team at the time, but not nearly as good as they ended up being. And, you know, you've got. Golson hurt. You get play a kind of a lackluster game against Brigham, Brigham Young, and then you're going to Oklahoma, Norman, where Oklahoma is ranked eighth and you're ranked fifth, but Oklahoma is eleven and a half point favorite. And so I think if you're a normal Notre Dame fan who's you know used to getting hurt, you're kind of preparing yourself to say, well, you know, it's a it's a good game, and they got the belldozer, and you know, and they this this that the other thing. And then the game was tight for like three quarters until Notre Dame just absolutely exploded. And obviously one of my favorite plays on that was the only Chris Brown catch of the entire year, which was just an absolute bomb uh, down the center of the field. And C.R. Wood running it up the gut uh, for taking it to the house for a score. And just, I mean, just putting putting the brakes, beating the brakes off of Oklahoma 30-13. Uh, that will remain one of my favorite games uh, tail with the, I think two interceptions one off a tip, if I recall correctly and um, beating Bob Stoops again, uh, Bob Davey had gotten the best of him in 1999 and now Stoops went down again. Now, you know, they beat Notre Dame pretty badly at home uh, the, the following year, but I, I don't take anything away from that 2012 game. That was like, okay, this is a legitimate top five team. And, you know, maybe the pit game next week was a little bit of a hangover, but, uh, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was, it was, wi- it was widely considered, but before Clemson of 2020, I think 2012 Oklahoma was widely considered as Brian Kelly's best win. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, look, and that's, that's on the road. Not only was Notre Dame 11 point, you know, underdogs, nobody had them picked to win. And most people had them they were picking scores. They weren't being judicious about it. It was 17, 20 points. They really thought Oklahoma was going to just fucking hammer Notre Dame that night. Uh, and that obviously was not the case, which makes it all, all the more sweeter. Uh, God, that, that there's nothing better than the epic Notre Dame, uh, 2012, uh, uh, highlight video on, YouTube, the 35 minute long, then watching the highlights of Oklahoma 
to the sounds of Rocky Four. It's just, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of the it's one of the best best uh, mashups you can think of. Uh, and you know, I hate it when people are like Notre Dame didn't deserve to be in that game against Alabama. They didn't play anybody that year. Like bullshit, dude. Like. They beat a Michigan team that's ended up in the top 25. They beat Stanford, which was 17 at the time, ended up seventh. They beat Oklahoma, which stayed in the top 15 by the end of the year. Like they very they much beat everybody deserved, on their schedule. They beat everybody they on their schedule, and they very much deserved to be there. Look, and who, the only reason they're uh, not who deserved to be in over them? Was it a, a Kansas team or a Kansas State team that forgot to show up in Waco? Was it was it I think Oregon? It, State it was, was a, a it was a was Georgia team that should have uh, yeah. you know it should have gotten a second chance to uh, beat Alabama, I guess. Yeah. yeah. What? Well, yeah. Look, the only reason Notre Dame didn't win the national championship that year wasn't because Alabama was so good. It was because Kansas State fucking slipped up. Yep. It's because they <laughs> shit the bed that, in Waco. If that's Kansas State in that game, Notre Dame beats them and. The whole conversation about everything has changed. Brian Kelly probably isn't even here. He's probably in the, he probably a failed NFL coach uh, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, he's, he probably is coaching the Eagles. Yeah, or coached the Eagles for uh, you know three years and then they fired him. And then he ends up at Michigan. So Brian Kelly be coaching Michigan right now. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> well, uh, we well, no. Someone can dive down that rabbit hole. <laughs> That that Oregon team, right? They they were a contributor, um, you know, the, on the the great night that November night where both Oregon and Kansas State went down. Oregon lost to Stanford, a team Notre Dame beat. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let let's move it on to uh, to me. And so, I, and I'm going to pick a one that doesn't stick out as much as the rest of them, but it should because there was some really great. And that's 2018 Notre Dame Stanford. Ah, oh, cross the list. This was, I mean, if you don't know how much of a smug son of a bitch David Shaw is by now, just know that he is. And so, the Notre Dame Stanford rivalry, which it had be, which it, it it developed itself into a little R, uh, with a threat becoming a big R. Um. But this was this Notre Dame really ended Stanford that night. And hey, look, Ian Book was incredible, had four touchdowns. <clears throat> Dexter Williams, first carry coming back from his suspension, uh, went, what was it, uh, 45 yards for a touchdown. First time he touched the ball all season, 45 yards touchdown. Um, and he ended up with like 161 yards that night. Threw up the deuces, uh, too, if I recall correctly. Yeah, right? threw up the deuces. Yeah. I, it was fucking gorgeous. It was a it was a gorgeous night. Jerry Tillery basically unstoppable. Okay, yeah, he was. Well, yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. He was for unstoppable. Yeah. He had like four sacks that game, right? Yes. It was. Look, it was a it's a thirty eight seventeen ass pounding. Now there was a couple of moments where it felt a little closer, but Notre Dame pulled it out, you know, pretty hardcore there in the fourth quarter. And look, this basically ended. I mean, Stanford was ranked number seven at the time. Notre Dame put up 550 yards on them to 229 to Stanford's. I mean, it was a huge. But since that game, Stanford's never been the same since. They have not. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they've if they've been uh, ranked higher than seventh since then. But they sure as hell has not been the same team since then. Uh, Notre Dame ended it that night. 
Yeah, Jerry Tillery had four sacks against Stanford. That's ridiculous. It was just, and again, it was a good time. Nick Weischer got a caught a fucking touchdown pass that night. That's how fun that was. I, I got that was the game I got to ask uh, Nick about his dad bod after the game. <laughs> I mean, it was as it was as fun of a game um, that that you could if you went to if you go to Notre Dame football games a lot. Yeah, you have to. I'll, that was just a fun, fun game. Yeah, um, that's I think the, the key word is it, it was, was fun. It was tight enough for a while, but you were playing well. Like it was tight enough for a while where it's it, it felt bigger. It was a top ten matchup, and then you just pull that bad boy out in the fourth quarter with just straight ownage. I mean, it was like twenty nine to ten first down on that. I mean, it was just is it, it really was ownage uh, in a sense. It was a good time. It's a good time. And it, it's it certainly ranks up there as one of my favorites. Get the Legends Legends Trophy. It 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 marked a a change in the in that series. Uh because much like Michigan State, I mean it's one of those things where just this team has your fucking number. And Stanford ha- had Notre Dame's number. Uh and that game really ch- kind of changed things uh a little bit. And then eventually, you know, uh, next season, 19, you're finally able to win your first game in uh, Palo Alto for the first time in like <laughs> 11 years. So, so yeah, so I, I proudly throw down that 2018 Stanford game. It's an interesting pick. I, I, I didn't think of it, but I liked your, I liked your justification on that. Well, I, I said it was a little it bit out of the it was an Ian book coming out party too. Like it was a game yes. where Ian book really put himself out there on the map too. And I, I'm pretty sure it was, I think the Virginia tech game was the game the week before. Am I wrong? Uh, I think it was the week after the week after. Yeah. Week, week after. after Virginia tech was after the Stanford game. Yeah. Yes. Cause then he okay, went so on the road. Well, I mean, you went on the road against oh, weight or. Oh yeah. Cause this, this was after, this was after the weight game. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because Dexter Williams played it. <laughs> Dexter Williams owns the Lane Stadium. Uh, nine yards. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Nine, so yeah. So but this this set that table. Uh, it it really it it showed out what Notre Dame was. I I again it's a, kind of an out of box. People don't Stanford was not that good of a team that year. It was on my list. It was uh it was but a were, it was fun. It was on your list too, Brandon. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It was on my list. I gotta, I gotta yeah. watch this game again. It's probably well, you talk about more favorite games. It's just a, there's a, a there's a fantastic. Game. I don't know who put it together, but they they put an Ian Book highlight package of this game to the Reading Rainbow song, but it was like a remix of the Reading Rainbow song that goes into like death metal. It's very oh, good. I watched it probably be like from uh, Superman TD Jesus, right? It might have well, been. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what's funny is the um, is uh, NDMS Paint. Uh, did a great uh, Ian book and reading Rainbow uh, MS Paint picture. That I'll, yes, I'll, yes, he did. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that for With the like uh, for Levar the pot Burton, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's George. why that's the pot art. <laughs> All right, Brennan. Uh, well, I'm gonna take it because it's there. 2017 USC. Damn this it! Game, that was uh, like, absolute <laughs> delight. You know, fun. It started. It started a little bit uh, dicey, right? But when Tavon Coney told Sam Darnold that this football, he's like, look at me. 
I am the quarterback now. And he just takes the football from him. And then the floodgates open and it's 28, nothing at halftime. Everybody like I'm plastered at this point. Right. And a lot of Notre Dame, a lot of Notre Dame games, right. They might take the foot off the gas, but for whatever reason that night, Brian Kelly was like, a nope did not take his foot off the gas and ended up scoring touchdowns on the next three possessions coming out of the half, including a, a you know, Josh Adams, 84 yard touchdown run. It was like, as far as Notre Dame games under Brian Kelly, this is, that was one of the most fun experiences because Notre Dame never blows out their rivals like this. Like if you think about the Michigan, the Michigan blowout, uh, the 2014 game, right? Remember the six, it wasn't a blowout like this. No, I, I mean, Michigan no. didn't not, score not like this, not like this, but Brandon, it was, let me, like let me ask this. you, what was your favorite Brandon Wimbush completion in this game? You, you have nine of them. There's you, nine of them. <laughs> nine for 19, right? Yeah. yeah. Nine for 19 for 120 yeah, yards. And that. it was the most effective 120 yards. Uh, 50 of those yards were the first quarter on a couple of touchdown passes to EQ and to Stefferson. Stefferson. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And one of the catches was Chris Fink for zero yards. Delightful. (laughs) No, but when you, when you run for 377 yards, Uh. Josh Adams goes for 191. It's just, an absolute treasure to to do that to USC, which we've seen them do that to us countless times, right? Yeah. 2002. Uh, 2016 sticks out. That, 2016 I mean, was like oh, an unstoppable juggernaut. Uh, 2014, where they were flipping in, uh, what was it? It was uh, uh, Hendricks, right? Didn't Hendricks come in? No, he came in in the yeah. 13 win. 2014 yeah, 13 was kind of like 14 to. I think you don't want to think about. 14 was the yeah, red letter game, day. Though, you're right. That's Brian Kelly, the red letter day. Malik Zaire makes his first appearance. Golson was so yeah, terrible. This, they this, game, Brenda, this, this so game gets my rocks off. I love it. So I was up I like in the, it. I was up in the box and I was having too good of a time. I might've had too good of a time before I got up in the box is why I was feeling that. But I was just, I was up there and I was just like, I got to get down in that crowd. I I can't take it in here anymore. I got to get down in there and fucking mingle with the people because this is just fucking too much fun. So I left, went down, <laughs> went down into the bowl, which I've done on multiple occasions because uh, it's just fun, good times. But it was, it was just, uh, I just, I had to be, it was so like, it was, it was as electric of a stadium as you could think of in a blowout win. It was, it, it's a, which is an odd, it was just like everyone's there for the absolute, thrashing that you're giving to this hated rival. Um, but what's funny is I, the, one of the, I was just a few steps off of the, uh, or into the stadium and, uh, off the elevator. And I see Bobby Norell who was writing for us at the time. <laughs> one foot down. It's just like, right. Just running into the random people. I know, uh, going in there, but yeah, I had to be in, I had to go just be in that, that atmosphere for just a few moments, just to, to soak it up. That's how fucking fun this game was. Sorry, dude. 
it's all good. I, I love that 2017 USC game. I made a Christmas ornament that says 49-14 on it with, out of Perler beads uh, when we were getting into Perler beads back in 2017 with my kids. So that probably I won't mention my- Sam Darnold. I won't mention Sam Darnold on Twitter without bringing this game up. Without sure. Every time I've mentioned Sam Darnold, 49-14 gets thrown down. I mean, it's just it's an automatic now. It yeah. was that good. So uh, I, I picked kind of two straightforward ones for my first two picks. I'm going to go a little bit off the beat path and talk about a game that we actually watched as a group during the uh, pandemic last March, which was the two, the list. 2013 Shamrock Series game between the yep. Fighting Irish and the Arizona State Sun, the ranked Arizona State Sun Devils. Oh. And uh, the thing I love about this game is – it is uh, 27-20 with about uh, three minutes, two minutes left. And the ball's picked off, and you're thinking, oh, perfect. Notre Dame's going to seal this three, nice three-point win or whatever. Nope, there's 20 more points to be scored in the last uh, two <laughs> minutes, including yeah. uh, Dan Fox <laughs> returning 14-yard interception for a touchdown, and then Arizona State ripping off uh, seven plays in less than a minute. To and then uh, an onside kick is a like a heartburn at the end or whatever, which Notre Dame recovered. But um, it's just the 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 uniforms are cool. Um, I loved playing Arizona State, which is a team they hadn't played since I think '98. Um, they were ranked, so beating their ranked team, and then they I think Arizona State ended up ranked at the end of the year, so that was actually kind of a good win. But I think it, I feel like. This sort of tells the story of 2013, which was no game was safe. Every game was an adventure. Um, You know, you had the debacle against Oklahoma the week prior, in which Tommy Reese had basically put us down 14 nothing before people had gotten to their seats. Um, You had the 14. It was sandwiched between that and the 14-10 game, which Reese gets hurt. Stefan Tuit was basically the savior, and Hendricks is throwing warm burners. I just, I really, I really enjoyed this game. I really enjoyed rewatching it with the with Notre Dame fans uh, last March, and um, and so this one's going to be my third favorite. That was on my list as well, too. That one was just an absolute. I mean, Tommy Reese, <laughs> he was sub fifty percent completion, right? It wasn't, it wasn't great, but it just 17, felt like he 17 made. Thir- I just looked it up, seventeen to thirty-eight. So yes, <laughs> yeah. Three but he made the he made the QBR yeah he made the passes that he <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> three touchdown passes it was, the QBR of eighty two I love it <laughs> that's a no that that that's a good that that game always sticks out probably because the that's the best the version of so a Jamrock series yeah. uniform probably ever those are clean but I mean it was legitimately. It was the best Shamrock series game that, that they've ever played as far as ranked opponent. And then how it went, how, how it went down. I realized, so, you know, that the, the, the Syracuse 2018 Syracuse but, game, but, but I imagine that's on as well, but game. simply for the money he made. So for mine, um, I don't know if I, okay. My next one is an easy one. This is another, <clears throat> Another game like the 17 SC where I, <clears throat> excuse me, I had to get down in the crowd a little bit. 2018 Michigan. There, look, there was, 
there was no shortage of opinions about what was going to happen in this game because we had the entire offseason. This was a game that, um, you know, was to start the season off with. And so that's all you talk about. I mean, when you, when it's an opponent like Michigan, everything, it was, it's a lot like the Clemson talk all year, but lead up to the Clemson game. It was like that, uh, you know, for Michigan, yeah. but it was just incredible. And then we, you know, Brandon Wimbush. They were bringing in, they were bringing in a five-star transfer in Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson got a waiver, five-star yes. Yes. waiver to come into the game. Game day was there. Uh, I think um, I sent uh, Jess and uh, and Brad to like to cover game day. I think, which is a terrible experience. I'm told. Uh, I'm glad I turned it down. <laughs> Where they put you like in this little pit. So like it, it's funny when the media covers the media. And then you're actually credentialed to cover the media there. But they put you down in this little pit to cover all the happenings that go on at game day, which God is that's how, that's how big college game day is. You know, when it's a fucking event that you have to get credentialed for uh, to cover it as a writer. Uh, but anyways, um, God, it was like stupidly hot that day. I had dropped maybe 15 pounds by the time I left my car to the time I got just up to up to uh, joy slot or up to stadium lot it's sweaty. Just, Oh my God. Uh, but the fans were, people were ready to go. This, you know, this is the start of the season. Um, you know, there was a lot more hope coming off the 2017 season about what could be. And honestly, you know, Brandon Wimbush just set this off and we discount him so much. And, and I, I tell this every time I talk about when you know, this season and Wimbush to book. Like if Ian book plays in this game, Notre Dame probably loses. They needed, they had a, they had a set plan in place to beat Michigan, which had a good, a good defense. I mean, Ohio state shredded them, but what we're not talking about that right now. Yeah. But Brandon Wimbush was really the one, the catalyst for this whole game. Um, it was just, it was a fucking great. It, it, it was one of those games. Like, so Fourth quarter, even when they're Michigan has the ball and they're yeah. able, you had, I had no worries. It was one of those few times where like they could actually kind of tie it, and like Notre Dame was handling Michigan, like fucking handling. And we've seen this before. We, we've 2011, they were handling yes. them too, and then yes. that when but Michigan just, when when Michigan got the ball back with like a minute and thirty left, and they got the ball to midfield. But that's uh, the thing. They, they weren't they weren't getting the ball. They weren't moving the ball at all that game. But it just but it was like a that's what Michigan do is when when Shea completes that pass to uh I don't remember who it was, uh one of their untalented wide receivers on the roster. Um but they got the ball to like the the fifty yard it was like the forty five or the fifty yard line, and there was, you know, about a minute left. My sphincter tightened because I was like Fucking Michigan didn't score their second touchdown of the game until two minutes left. And then here they are with an opportunity to tie it because um, the bullshit call on Cole Komet uh, that called back the Miles um, Boykin touchdown on a beautiful pass that Wimbush hit him with. Right? Yeah. Where it's just like, Cole Komet was ineligible. I, I don't know. It was, I. I was down, I was down on the field for that final five minutes and 
just watching the just watching them just tear Michigan apart our the defensive front like going after Patterson uh was just I I don't know I didn't have much I, I didn't have any I for some reason I was just not worried about the ending I just I I was pissed I, I remember being pissed about the um uh the the kick return for touchdown and, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you know going into the fourth quarter you're up you're up two touchdowns and then, you know, you give up that one drive and really, it really was like one drive. Michigan had yeah, one that drive on that, that, that one in the fourth quarter. So I just, I didn't worry too much about the next one. And so, but it was a, it was a hell of a time. It was a, it was a big game. Michigan was ranked 14th at the time, Notre Dame 12, but Michigan was also the favorites going to that game. Jude, you, that's right. Right. You, you pay attention I think to that. They were, uh, I think they were a half point favorite going into. I think it was a pick 'em before the game, but I think, I think going into the game, Michigan. I thought it was a. I thought it was a pick 'em, but I, I'm going to look it okay. back up again. It was. It was right around there. So, and then it was a game that you had to like defend the rest of the season. Right. I mean that that was the season. They went where, undefeated, and that was their best win. Yeah. Herb Street keeps saying that you know, yeah, you know, the game didn't not, count because it was in yeah. September. <laughs> He would rank Michigan ahead of Notre Dame in the for you know the playoff rankings. Like, what the fuck are we even watching here? We watched the win. You were there, Herbie. You were fucking there in South Bend. If the games and the results don't matter, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, might as well just fucking just fill it out and uh, wait a few months and and have the playoffs if they even want to do that and just simulate them. But yeah, so that that game, uh, one of my favorites. It was. It was a green out, and it was the first time Notre Dame had ever called for a green out, like officially, like as a um, uh, as university. And I did a huge thing on that about the whole fucking up the Shamrock Series uniform, uh, get, making some money off of this. Their shirt was green that year, yeah. and then they go ahead and have, call a green out instead of it just being <laughs> the green shirts. You're selling a fucking Under Armour shirt. This is Irish wear green to make up the difference of the because of the shit Shamrock series uniforms that year. <laughs> but it was it was that a year. Well, yeah, but the, I mean, but the stadium was gorgeous. I mean, it really was a, it was a true green out. Um, I, it was a, it was a good time. It great time. Well, I think it's back to me, and I'll just take I'll just take it because it's there. 2014 Michigan, remember the six, 37 nothing, right? That's as a rewatchability for that game, not high, because uh, it was mostly Michigan just being god awful, um, much in the same way that they were in the 2008 game. It's the um, worst looking 37 nothing game you'll ever see. It was not pretty. It really was. We will always have that. Just like they will always have what? Uh, was it 2003? 2007? Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought you meant chicken dance the year prior. Yeah, yeah, the chicken dance was awful. But they will always have 2003. They will always have, yeah, 2007. They will always have their blanks. And we will always have. 37 and the fact that they called the touchdown back kind of gives it a little bit more mystique to the game because you can say, remember the six and 
everyone who watched that game will instantly remember Elijah Shoemate's uh, touchdown and uh, <laughs> Devin Gardner just getting cracked back to, and <laughs> sent into the, Mac, you know, the by Max Redfield of all people, <laughs> which I got to tell you, still look, it looks legit to me. It looked like a legit block to me. It looked like a legit block to me because Devin Gardner was going to make a play. That's the thing is it's not like he he turned for it. He turned for it. He went to make a play. (laughs) It's not our fault Max Rudfield just fucking knocked his dick in the – I mean, come on. That's what Max Rudfield was there to do. We will always have BBG uh, turned down for what? (laughs) Probably Uh, one of the better – On the sidelines just – the, the One of the better fighting Irish old. digital media moments was oh, there. Oh no, that that was a CJ CJ zero thing production. Oh, he's the okay. one that, yeah, he's the one that made that huge. So yeah, that had the BVG fist pump, and it had Brady because you could watch Brady Hope clapping. Uh, it was a similar thing, That's except right. it was just a. How many times could you watch Brady Hope clap on a on like a You the Man Now Dog style website? Glorious. Yeah, that that game for me. Plus uh, big big bull big Bill Fuller, right? That was a big Bill Fuller uh, coming oh, out yeah. party. Yeah, it was a big Bill Fuller. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, 2014 uh, fun game. Um, rewatch yeah, was not maybe not as high as maybe a 2017 USC or 2018 Stanford, but uh, it was fun. I've told that story a million times about this game, so I won't I won't tell it again and bore y'all. But again, that that was after the game, going into the offices and and uh, everyone's popping champagne bottles, and Jack Swarbrick comes walking in. They had just announced this Ohio State series that day. And this is supposed to be the last time you played <laughs> Michigan. Then he announced yeah. it. I mean, just like the champagne bottles were literally popping. Jack walks in, doesn't even crack a smile. We're all going nuts, you know, inside that office. Um, recorded a podcast with with oak uh al and oak's dad that night uh, <laughs> and oak's dad was trying to show us pictures of turtles uh on his phone while <laughs> <laughs> recording that uh it was it, i mean it was just genuinely it was fucking awesome and it was such a great night I'll, I'll, that i'll never forget um ah, just so much goodness in that but it's everything but the game itself. Like you're right. Like it's like, it's not really a fun game to watch, uh, but everything else that surrounded it was incredible. So uh, I'm pretty sure you're not going to steal either of my next two. So it doesn't really matter what, what order they go in. Um, but I am going to take 2015 temple as my fourth game. And I don't think this game really means a lot to people, but, um, Here's the deal. College, college game day, night game was there at, at the link. Um, met Ty Heldenbrandt for the first time tailgated with uh, Philly Kelly and her, her, her wonderful family. Um, she mentioned offhand that they had two extra tickets. We were, my father and I were sitting in the nosebleeds. And so they graciously offered to switch our tickets and they sell the nosebleed tickets so we could sit next to their family. So we sat down, uh, in the corner of the end zone that Deshaun Kaiser ran towards when he suddenly showed off his uh, big, big old burst of speed. He could, he could and fly. his bird wings, his bird and wings, and, too. His, and he did the fly. bird wings. Yep. So there's some weird uh, plays in this, but the things I'll remember are Kavari Russell's game ceiling interception, 
obviously the the big pass to Fuller in the end zone with very little time left. And of course, the typical heart attack shit of uh, fourth down <laughs> and Deshaun guys are basically throwing the ball up in the air and wondering, is that ball going to come down with one, <laughs> with one second left and give Temple a chance to, uh, you know, to take the lead or whatever, but it didn't work out that way. So um, kind of, kind of a weird game, but just, I remember it more for the people that I met during that game and, and before that game and just, and how gracious um, Kelly and her family were and, and, and seating us and, and, and what the view we had for that game was, cause it, it was, it was pretty fun. It's pretty fun. That's so. one of, that's one of the more meaningful games uh, to me uh, in, the, in my life. That was, so, so don't think, don't think too badly of it, Jude. That was, uh, I, I, we had just, yeah. we, we just got home from the hospital uh, for my, we had just had my youngest son, Dylan. And so I watched that game, the entire game with that fat baby in my arms. <laughs> and I just, I was, it was in my bedroom and I just stood up and just kind of like rocked him, fed him and just swayed with him that entire, <laughs> that entire game. Uh, and, so, and I always thought that, you know, he'd wake up and, you know, he'd just kind of have his eyes fixated on this color thing on the wall, uh, that was flashing lights, but I, I'll, I'll never forget that game, uh, <laughs> because that, so no, that, that game isn't just out of box, Drew, that, that's got some meaning, at least for me. Yeah, that's cool. Tyler, Mark, uh, Tyler Martikavich had it. Had an amazing game. The linebacker, yeah, yeah. Two two drafted picks. By the, drafted by the Raiders. Yeah, interesting. Drew Tranquil. He was a Drew Tranquil before Drew Tranquil. Uh, not as good though. No, like, but one of those like Gruden guys, you know. I, are we about to have another Drew Tranquil conversation? Jude? No, no, no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the, and the pantheon of shitty takes saying, I don't get the the big deal about this Pat Mahomes guy. I don't, I don't see it. Hey, uh, and you got, you got, uh, I got a nice shot a, from the Irish Illustrated people. Thank you very much. Yeah, O'Malley. O'Malley was, was super proud of you for admitting that. <laughs> um, but Drew, yeah, the old Drew Tranquil won't get drafted was a pretty bad take. And I, I feel bad and I should feel bad. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I got, I got a pretty obvious one here, uh, and that's 2012 USC. <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not sure how uh, 2010, 2012 stack up to each other, uh, getting your first win in a decade or so, uh, or beating the motherfuckers on their field to go to the national championship game. I lean towards this one, actually. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're 11-0. You're going to your main rival's house. You got to get a win to go play for the national championship. This is what the Notre Dame USC games are about, but it's usually about getting tripped up by the other fucker to not go there. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's more of the history there. So to do that, it, again, it wasn't a great watchable game too much. There was a bunch of uh, goal line stands. I mean, Notre Dame's defense was so Lewis Nix in the middle there. Teo, uh to it. I mean, just that defensive front was just incredible. Um, uh, but, you know, the audacity of USC thinking they could just uh, pound that thing in from the goal line. But you won it 
on their field. So, you know, I think uh, Greg tweeted it out about uh, when we were talking about Knicks, uh, about, you know, this man coming down the field. But that's a great shot of that team coming out of the locker room onto USC's field. It's it, U.S. You know, the Coliseum is so different where it's got this, you know, freeway sized tunnel coming away from the locker rooms onto the field. So you got this massive swarm of of players and they just look badass. They looked ready to go out there and and kick ass and take care of business. They did that. And that's where you get the iconic shots of, you know, of Kelly getting the Gatorade, him and Tao, you know, hugging each other, going in the locker room. You know, that was back when, um, uh, when fire and Irish digital media was, was, I, I thought their best work was the, I was the old icons. Cause it was more raw. Uh, and just the, you know, the reaction inside the locker room was it Anthony Rabasa? No, it was Mata that was on top of the lot. I mean, I thought I was well, yeah. so worried that he was like going to like slice his arm up with sheet metal uh, on top of those lockers there, uh, like swimming on lockers. It was, it was, it was a great win. I mean, look, I can't stress enough the importance of beating your rival and then you beat your rival on their fucking feet. You get a dance on their field to finish out an undefeated season to go to the national championship game. That's fucking great. That is excellence in a nutshell. It's uh, I was a, a big Kyle Brinza fan that night. Yeah. I hope he took a nice ice bath. <laughs> yeah. It's not, again, it's, it's not a game. It, it was the, uh, the ends justified the means. Let's put it that right. way. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's no 2018 Stanford. No, no. Is it not? Can anything be? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a fun game. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a punch the ticket to a national champ. It was a game that punched a ticket to the national championship game. There's, there's nothing better. I mean, there really nothing. That's, there really is not anything better. Yeah. All right, Brennan. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with uh, one of my favorite games uh, of the Brian Kelly era, and that is the 2010 Hyundai Sun Bowl against the Miami Hurricanes. Nice. The amount, of, the amount of delight that I had watching Stephen Morris uh, bundled up like he was um, getting ready to uh, make an Arctic expedition to the the polar ice caps with Miami players all bundled up, you know, wearing those uh, goofy, like full head covering the face, like snow suits juxtaposed on the other side. And you see Notre Dame players, you know, shirtless kind of, you know, short sleeves uh, hanging out. It's uh, another game where uh, field goal kicker, David Ruffer got a lot of work. Um, just like the, just like a Brinza uh, before, but um, yeah, this was the culmination of the 2010 season, the fourth game of the four-game run to end the season after the Tulsa debacle, um, and to do it against Miami, and I think they were up um, like 27 to three at halftime, so. It, absolutely dominating them in the first half. It was the only game on that day. And, and so all eyeballs were on it. It was just nice for, and I believe 
uh, other than the, uh, this was, you know, started a streak of bowl game victories, right? 2008, uh, uh, 2008 um, Hawaii Bowl, and then the Sun Bowl. Uh, that's a that's a streak of two two bowl wins in a <laughs> in a row. Uh, it's it been a hot minute since they had a streak. What was the what was the bowl game at eleven? Was that Champ Sports? Oh, that was the yeah. Champ Sports, Sports Bowl. Yeah. Ooh, and Tommy threw that awful pick at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I this is an equally bad one. I don't know, just yeah. watching Miami on the sidelines there in El Paso, Texas, shivering like bitches. Oh, it was so uh, good. It was just, I mean, that was they were from head to toe covered. If they could have yeah. wore a park out there, they, if it would have been legal for them to wear a park out while they're playing, they would have done it. That's Steven, how not wanting to be there they were. Stephen Morris looked geared up like Kurt Russell's character in The <laughs> Thing when he's like getting off the helicopter. Like he had the full <laughs> snow outfit. It was ridiculous. I loved it. I mean, what's funny though is Miami, 406 yards of offense that day. <laughs> yeah, 70 a yard points. Uh, you should yeah. you should mention, but almost all of them came. Like they had a bunch of turnovers, and a lot of it came in the second half when uh, Notre Dame kind of took the the foot off the pedal. Yeah, uh, I mean Harrison Smith's three interceptions were. I mean, they, they had four that day. Blanton had another one, but the three picks from Harrison Smith. And that was like, yeah, maybe Harrison Smith should have never have played linebacker. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Almost like it was a mistake to have done that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a quality one right there. Jude, what's your, what's your last one here? I knew you guys wouldn't take it on me. It is 2016, Syracuse. <laughs> 2016. I believe right. this is the only that has yet to be represented. All right. All right. You ready? Yeah. Uh, the first offensive play from scrimmage for either team. Deshaun Kaiser finds Equinemia St. Brown for 15 yards. Brown makes yeah. two tackles, outruns two other Syracuse defenders, 79-yard touchdown. Boom. Eight plays later, Syracuse responds with a touchdown on their own. But uh oh, Gerard Jones blocks the point after, and Cole Loop returns it the opposite way for two points. Nine six Irish at two minutes and twenty four seconds have come off the clock. So the Orange kickoff. Notre Dame rushes Josh Adams twice before Kaiser returns back to St. Brown. This time he finds him thirty nine yards downfield. The ball's just past the Orange defender's fingertips, and St. Brown scores the second touchdown of the game. It's 16-6. Irish with just three minutes and 37 seconds elapsed. St. Brown already has 146 receiving yards, which is like Tyreek Hill level of insanity, right? Yeah. Brian Van Gorder has been fired. But three plays, but we're still in his defensive scheme. So three plays later, Eric Dungey finds Abba at a Tawau Tawau down the sideline. Ball's underthrown. Julian Love falls down. He gives Devin Studge still a shake, and now it's 16-13 with just four minutes and 43 seconds elapsed in the first quarter. Cole Murphy kicks off to C.J. Sanders, who makes one cut, is touched by no one, and route to a 93-yard touchdown. We have not yet played five minutes, and it is 23-13 hours. Now, <laughs> the scoring stops, but don't forget that Torrey Hunter appears to have rolled off the back of a defender and route to a 70-yard touchdown. And the very next offensive possession, 
that got overturned on video replay. I had him down after 11 yards, but uh, this also had the Dexter Williams. Oh my oh, God! Why are you? Running he came back backwards. Yeah, it was technical action. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, very, it was like 59 yards. Very yard tech mobile. I love this game. I love it. It's a it's a it's an impossible season to watch or enjoy, but this game was like a one week reprieve. It's it's kind of frustrating. Um, because it, it just sort of highlights what it what should have been, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I mean, even Stefferson maybe... and Williams, like two players that at the time just weren't getting the kind of you. Yeah, just even more so like that Virginia Tech game later in the season in which Sean Kaiser, it's a senior day and he comes out like his hair's on. Well, his it's not a senior. He's not a senior, but it's his final game, final home final, game. Yeah. He comes out like his hair's on file, fire, and and you really start thinking like this is this is what a properly motivated Notre Dame team looks like, and then you remember it's 2016 and they find a way to blow it, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, he got speared a couple times that game with no calls. Yeah, so it's just um, this is. I, I mean, I think people would want to forget 2016. I, I'm not sure there's a game in 2007 I would point to and say. Watch that game again. Um, I, I was at the Duke UCLA. game. UCLA. Uh, no, yeah. I would not. I would oh, not God. Suggest that. What a, what I mean, a Unless you're Mo Crumb's family. Oh. If you're Mo Crumb's family, then I say rewatch it. But, Hell, okay. I mean, that was an all-time game for Crumb. Yeah. But this so, this one this one had a bright spot. I Okay. And I, 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 look, before I Josh goes. I very hard to set it. And now I, I, I think am this a, represents I'm every season, every every year. This represents every Wait, year. No, I think we went no, through and every year got rep- no, no, no. 2011 is missing. There's no 2011 uh, game. Well, was that so last? before before Josh goes, I fully realize I'm putting I'm leaving some good games on the table. So if you're yelling right now about the Citrus Bowl, I got to tell you, I had bronchitis that day. And I was in the, the ER and trying to get somebody to look at me. And it was like two hour, two and a half hours of my life. I'll never get back. And I literally walked in right before he completed the pass to Boykin. So while it was exciting to see them win, I really didn't watch the game. So <laughs> that's not going to be that helpful. So let's, let's, let's find out if you rectify our, our issue, our quandary we have here, Josh. So I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I had thought about it, uh, but like like the best win from eleven was probably Michigan State. Uh, there was a fifteen fourteen pick game in two thousand eleven. If you got if you're into that sort of uh, torture, yeah, um, debauchery. Yeah, <laughs> I was also going to do um, uh, two thousand and eighteen SC for the exact same reason as two thousand and twelve SC um, and Tony Jones Jr. the Trojan Killer. Out there, oh right. yeah, but um, I mean, there's but 2018 no. Vanderbilt's out there for you to grab. Yeah, true that. No, it's a, the, my last game is going to be the one that we were talking about before recording, and that was the 2013 Michigan, Michigan State win, which is arguably outside of Clemson the best win of the Notre Dame of the Brian Kelly area at Notre Dame. Now, Michigan State finished third, ranked third in the country that year, which is the same ranking that Clemson finished in <laughs> 2020. But 
no one talks about this game as when you talk about the best wins of the Brian Keller era or your favorite wins, no one brings this game up. Now there's a good reason why. <laughs> yeah. That's because it was just a, it was a, I don't know that kind of frustrating game to watch. And if you're, there was a strategy, fan, there was a strategy, there was a strategy, throw it up and let them pass interfere you. And I can respect that. That's good coaching. That's knowing that's that's playing to a team's weaknesses. That's that's attacking their weakness. Uh, look, Notre Dame. It was a it was a Notre Dame only had 220 yards offense. Yeah. Michigan yeah. State had 254 yards offense. I tried I tried to rewatch this game a couple of years ago, and I was just it. like, this is so unbelievably it. rough. You can't like, do it. Tommy Reese threw for 142 yards, and Michigan State had 115 yards of penalty. This was a Michigan State team that went 13 and one, beat Ohio State. 13 and one. We are the only. This is the. This is the only reason why Michigan State wasn't playing uh, for a national championship that year. This was was 13 the last year of the BCS. Which. Yeah, which they Notre kept Ohio State from playing from a championship because they beat him in the Big Ten title game. Which, right. uh, which which Notre Dame wide receiver recorded his first career catch against Michigan State in this game? Wearing number 15. Uh, Big Corey Bill? Holmes? <laughs> What's that? Corey Holmes? Big Bill? Big Bill Fuller. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just I thought you had some Corey Holmes slobber out there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, look, there's a lot to forget from this game. I mean, Cam McDaniel. I mean, 2013. It's like Cam McDaniel just starting running back. Had, he was leading <laughs> yeah. rushing that day for, for Notre Dame. Had 40 yards. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure Ron Jones misses a block, and 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 Michigan State got a block punt in this game too because Jaron Jones like completely missed his dude. <laughs> This is, this is a really bad. Don't watch this game. It's do watch, watch this game. I'm, just trust I'm so, us. I'm so glad it trust happened, us. but don't watch this game. This is one of the 15 best games. This is the most pit game that Notre is, Dame's had under <laughs> Brian Kelly. This is the pittiest game, right? Because this is what Pitt does, right? This they'll, is how Pitt beat, wins. This is this how, is how Pitt, Pitt wins. They'll beat a team that only has one loss on the season, and it was to Pitt. <laughs> this was a Pitt win. This was a super weapon. So let's. I, I want to go through the scoring summary, and trust me, seven, it was a seventeen thirteen game. It, this will go quick. But there was a. Cal Brins a forty one yard field goal. No, I'm not doing the drive chart. That would be uh, torture. But then uh, Michigan State goes up on a on a twelve yard Connor Cook pass to Megaret Kings. Uh, then Notre Dame comes back uh, with a Tommy Reese touchdown to TJ Jones, a two yard touchdown pass. So big. Uh, and then third quarter, Michigan State gets a field goal. Fourth quarter, Cam McDaniel gets a seven-yard touchdown run. Um, and, oh, yeah, and Michigan State got a field goal. It, 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 it was This is a terrible game. And, again, I can't stress this enough. This is why Michigan State did not play for the national championship. Didn't play Alabama, yeah. Is fucking no, great. Was it, was it Auburn? Was it Auburn in 2013? Would it have been camp? Um, who, who's the who's the national champion in 2013? I, I think it's just fair to say that it's uh, Florida State. Alabama. Florida State. 
Florida State. Yeah, they would have had to have played. Uh, uh, yeah, Florida State. And uh, See, crab legs himself. So I don't. I think I've told the story. I think I've told the story before on this podcast, but if I haven't, here goes. I watched this game off the back of a truck um, while tailgating for a Michigan-Connecticut game in which Holy I watched. Shit. Yeah, uh, uh, I had lost a bet to – don't do this, kids. I had lost a bet to a Michigan fan uh, who, I was, who I was friendly with, um, and the winner, the loser had to buy tickets to the winner's favorite team the following year. Connecticut was the closest game. Uh, but it was Bob Diaco's maiden voyage. Um, or was it Diaco? Was Diaco there in 2013? Yeah, he left after the 12th season, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Um, no, so he didn't leave after 12. He left after 13. Yeah. So it uh, wouldn't have so been Diaco. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't must he didn't bring his werewolf energy yet. But um, so it's it's UConn. They, first of all, they almost lost to UConn, which was I was so rooting for. But. The other bad part of the the bet was I had to wear a Michigan jersey during the game, which was just horrific. And of course, I got pictures taken, and and now I I can't run for what senator. Num- what number did you have to wear? Did you have to wear? I was rocking the number seven. Uh, Chad, okay. had you, if I recall correctly. So it wasn't a number ninety-eight. Uh, it was not in the <laughs> special. I mean, in in um. To credit to to my friend, he offered me a choice of three jerseys. I think Tom Brady was one of them. Uh, Chad Henney, and I can't remember where the third one was. Oh, Denard. Denard, uh, the special under the lights jersey. There was no way I was putting that on. So I'm watching with a bunch of Michigan fans, and they're, like, completely torn because they know Michigan State is, you know, hated hated little brother, right? But they also don't love Notre Dame. So it's like they're basically root for the meteor and we're all just like puking about this game. And, and I think the conclusion that we all walked away from was, ah, neither one of these teams is going to be any good this year. Well, joke was <laughs> on us. So yeah, cause well, Michigan State went on a tear. I mean, yeah, they were unranked yeah. going in that game. I mean, Michigan State housed Michigan that year. Um, I think that was the year that Golston, uh, Michigan might have negative yards rushing. It was, and that might have been the only that might have been the only blowout for Michigan State. Most of their games were fairly close scoreboard wise. But yeah, the 2013 Michigan State was very 2012 Notre Dame. Yeah, but they had that that mark. The the I think the biggest one they had was against Ohio State in the uh, the Big Ten right. title game. They won by double digits. Yeah. Right, which I mean, to me, which legitimizes their that thirteen and one. That's why I'm. That's why the, it's not just a joke that they're on this list. That was a good fucking Michigan State team. It was a bad they beat game. Stanford I mean, too. They beat Stanford too. They beat Stan- yeah, the, they, a they pretty good Stanford. Finished third. Yeah. They finished third in the country. This game, no one ever thinks of, ever. Like it, it takes real like it takes guys like us to keep bringing up 2013 Michigan State because the game is so terrible to rewatch. That no one wants to do it, but it's arguably one of the best wins of the entire Brian Kelly era. And, and we've talked about this in the opposite way, which is there's some fan, there's some games that fans gravitate towards, which are actually bad watches, like the UCLA 2006 game and the Stanford 2014 game, where people always want to watch them. And then they watch them and they're like, why did we watch that? That was actually a terrible game. This one is just 
a, a terrible game we happen to win that nobody nobody even remembers. You know what I mean? Unless, you, like Josh said, we, pick, we keep pushing Josh, it up. So. Do you know how many yards rushing Michigan had against Michigan State that season in their football game? 26. Negative 48 yards rushing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Michigan had neg- negative 48 yards you rushing. You know what? Game. God bless. Against- God bless you, Mark D'Antonio. God bless you. <laughs> I mean, we were kind of we were kind of riffing on before the 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 pod started about Notre Dame not getting to move up in the rankings. Michigan State was eight and one going into that game against Michigan, and they were ranked twenty second. Can you imagine Notre Dame being eight and one and being ranked just twenty second? That's what a loss to Notre Dame will do to you. <laughs> well, Notre Dame had such a terrible team. It looked like a bad loss, right? Yeah, it was a bad loss. It wasn't well, quite well, losing to Louisiana. Uh, oh wait, no. that didn't stop Iowa State. Oh wait, wait, that didn't stop. No, no, yeah, no. from New York, rise. Keep keep praising Matt Campbell as he loses the. You know what? Fuck, fuck Iowa State because we went through 15 of Notre Dame's best wins under Brian Kelly, and none of them were against a. Performance they held to Iowa State to nine points in a bowl game. We we only we only picked one bowl game. <laughs> yeah, it was me. Um, <laughs> Good old Sun Bowl. I'll tell you what. I mean, I someone is to, pissed that we didn't pick that pin. I had a lot of fun with the Music say, City Bowl. Was a fun one. If, if, um, if we're gonna if we're gonna go forward and do least I mean, favorite games, I might bowl. pick the pinstripe bowl. I mean, Jude did well, let's, do, let's do least. Well, I mean, you you had you had us queued up for a least favorite. I I got some least favorite oh, games. We're, we're gonna have to say that for another time. Look at the time, fellas. Oh we're boy. Time oh boy. We still have a couple things to take care of here. So we're gonna have to we're gonna save uh, the despair for another day, and that's fine. This was a lot of joy. Let's just let's stay with joy. We'll, we'll crash later. <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that that's a good list. This is just to top it off. You have 17 Sparty, 20 Clemson, 10 SC, 15 Texas, 12 Oklahoma, 18 Stanford, 17 SC, 13 Arizona State, 18 Michigan, 14 Michigan, 15 Temple, 12 SC, 10 Miami, 16 Syracuse, and 13 Sparty. There's a lot of joy in the in those 15 games. A lot of joy. All right, moving on. <clears throat> Go a little closer. So, 2000, uh, we're gonna get, we're going into our our quick look back at some recruiting classes, just because it seemed like a fun thing to say we're gonna do each week, and then now it's like, okay, which class? So let's let's stay with joy. And here is the uh, the best recruiting class. Of the rivals era for Notre Dame, the crown, the t- crown jewel of Charlie Weiss. It is the crown jewel of Charlie Weiss. Uh, There's a 2008 recruiting class. It finished the season. It finished the the team rankings at number two. But before the season started, a couple of Alabama players didn't qualify for college, and were at, were unable to be uh, part of that class. So technically, this is a number one class. Technically, because it Notre looks Dame's, like a number one class, right? You look at the players on this list and it is number one class. Yeah. And th- this is a, tw- this is a 23 man. This wasn't a 26, 27. This is a 23 player class and it, it's pretty damn solid. 
Uh, so let's go down here. So we got a couple of five stars here and wide receiver, Michael Floyd and quarterback Dane Christ. Uh, then you get to the four stars and it's kind of funny. Kyle Rudolph considered a four star here. Um, I'm pretty sure he's a five star in other things, but anyways, uh, Kyle Rudolph, Ethan Johnson, Darius Fleming, Trevor Robinson, Steve Filer, Dion Walker, Jonas Gray, Jamar Slaughter, Braxton Cave, Dan McCarthy, Sean Swinar, Joseph Fourier, Anthony McDonald, Lane Cleland, John Goodman, Robert Blanton, Brandon Newman, Capron Lewis Moore. And then you only had three three stars, and that was Hafiz Williams, Mike Golick Jr., and David Plazuzny. So many starters. So many four stars. I mean, but I mean, you just look at the, the number of starters just up and down this list. And we've done this exercise with other recruiting classes. A lot of hits. A lot of hits here. I mean, so many the, hits. These weren't great All-Americans, but these were guys no. who started. Like Ethan but, Johnson, I mean, Darius Fleming, and Steve Filer are all guys that started games, right? But it's still kind of a disappointing class, though, for me. And I, I hate saying that, but it, I mean, this is like right when I, a uh, year two or three that I really started following. Like, like hold on, hold on, hold on. Michael Floyd, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, it's Jim. But Dane Christ, Dane Christ, uh, Steve Filer. Steve Filer was a, was a top 100 player. I know you love you, you some Ethan Johnson. I know you're all of Ethan Johnson. Cap. Old man cap. Dion Walker. Walker. Started at center for a, a championship contending team. Darius, Darius Fleming was the, was the 63rd ranked player in the country. Did he ever play to a 63rd? I mean, no, Fleming. But Robert, Robert Blanton played played higher than the 271st. And Mike Golick Jr. was your starting center on the 2012 team, right? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying there's some disappointments in this class still. So I mean, not a lot of transfers. What? What's that? Joe, not a lot of transfers. Joe uh, Farrier, he's a transfer, but I, I'm he trying was, to look at. But he had to transfer. John Goodman right. was your primary punt returner for 15 years. But I all these that, other guys. Yeah, that catch gotta, against Michigan State in 20. Uh, Fort Wayne boy, I went. I went and watched him. I went. I watched Good. He played in high school, and I was. I came away from watching Dwanger going. Who the fuck is that number 24 guy that he keeps throwing? Because Goodman was playing quarterback, and it was Tyler Eifert that he kept that he kept hitting uh, on these little pop passes. Uh, there was one play where uh, Goodman was quarterback that they did like, like a flea flicker, and he looked fast as shit coming off of it, like a kind of ran a wheel route in a sense. It was just flying at the sideline, and there's just no way that other quarterback would have the arm strength. <laughs> To get it to him, but you just watch. I would just watch Goodman fly past these guys. Like, oh my god, I, I thought Goodman was gonna do a lot more. <laughs> but like Brandon Newman, he was a four star guy. But a low end like, four star. Yeah, but like Newman and Filer and Fleming, I remember this distinctly. Were three guys that I had, I wrote about quite a bit. Like these are must get guys for Notre Dame. Defensively, they're needed. A couple of them were Chicago guys. The other one, Brandon Newman was part of that. We need defensive linemen. Like Notre Dame was not yeah. recruiting defensive linemen. And I thought Newman, like many people, was going to fit that mold as a four-star. Uh, but 
Plus, Lesney was bringing a whole lot of name and nothing else uh, to the table. Uh, yeah, his brother I, was a slightly more talented. Slightly more. <laughs> I mean, at six foot, 200 pounds, what could go wrong? Anthony McDonald, I don't know how many times between like Anthony McDonald is basically Anthony Vernaglia reboot. Is is he just a part of the package deal with with Dane Chris, though? Like, did he come along for the ride? Maybe. I I don't know, I, man. I, when, I don't remember. I don't re- ever remember being it that. But you know, an underrated when, name out of this group is uh, Sean Swinar. Who is as much as I was wanting Brandon Newman, Sean Swinar was a was an excellent it, it player was, on the defensive line for Notre Dame. Excellent. Uh, I guess, Jonas I guess Gra- my question you know, to what you, could Josh, have been with Jonas is grave had he had got more time on the field. If you look at this class as being anything other than success, then you're looking at a class half empty. Because oh, no, when I look no, at it, no, it's a success. Don't get, don't get it twisted. There was just, there was some more, there's more disappointments in this class than I would have expected from a top, no, from a number one class in the country, basically. Well, uh, I think that's just the, that's recruiting in general. Oh yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, just like 50% of the players you, you sign are probably going to flame out. And then what's the highs of the 50% that don't? And the highs in this case was Michael Floyd, Kyle Rudolph. What, what was your favorite and, Deion Walker touchdown at Notre Dame? You know, there's too many to count. Um, all of them. <laughs> I wish he had one, right? In, all of them came in April. Deion Walker? Uh, during a no. scrimmage. No. He might have scored once in practice. Yeah, all all of them oh. came during a, maybe a blue gold game. Yo, I hear I hear some keyboards. You look at that up, Jude. I am no, looking this yeah. up because I feel like I wrote down his name a couple of times. So I'm looking. You wrote down his name as like the guy that could maybe do something. Finally, I don't even know what were his final stats. This is the top. He went, this is he like caught one pass at Notre Dame, and it was in 2009. And then he went to UMass. So there you go. He got one pass. At Notre I, Dame. I stand corrected. Must um, be all those uh, Darius Walker, D Walkers, you know, D D Dubs. I mean, what did he do at UMass? Jamar Slaughter was a pretty good player for Notre Dame. Dan McCarthy played some snaps. Jamar broke I, his leg at the end, right? Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, no, I was a big. I, I like Jamar Slaughter a lot. He was from Robert Georgia. Robert Blank collected a lot of checks for the Minnesota Vikings as part of that Vikings Jamar's connection they had up by there. the Browns. I think. Six, I think six you're getting get twisted. I was disappointed in a few guys, not in the class. The, the, up and down, this there's a, Trevor Robinson uh, played for the Bengals for a long time. It felt like. Um, yeah. Did, did he end up with Chicago to and? That's where point. Notre Dame offensive linemen go to die. Yeah. <laughs> well, they go to they go to revive. I mean, look at Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars. Yeah, Sam and Mustafer and Bars. Um, he stand brought him in, and they outlasted he stand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Cap. For, I mean, by the way. Capron Lewis, it cannot be Capron Lewis Moore cannot be um, a full man. Cap is instrumental in two thousand a 2012 team. Yep, he was a huge part of uh, uh, you know of what they were doing. In the leader, from a leadership perspective, as much as anything, too. 
because he oh, had yeah. those young bulls, um, you know, getting uh, to it, and uh, I mean, Nick's too. Um, just so everybody, all the young guys on that. Yeah. So okay, so Dion Walker transferred. Um, I don't. Fourier had to because he ran around. Dane uh, Chris transferred. I think well, Lane. Yeah. Well, if you're talking grad, about grad transfers, Brandon Newman's a grad transfer too because he played for Ball State right, at the end. Right. Right. Lane Cleland, did he grad transfer somewhere too? I. And I know for a fact. I mean, Sean Spinar turned down a fifth year just to go get a job. Good for him. Like I think I think he had like a consult. He was kind of like Steve Elmer before Steve Elmer. Um, where he had a pretty good job lined up. So he uh, didn't play for a fifth year uh, and just, you know, didn't want anything to do with the NFL, but he had a good career at Notre Dame. I mean, it wasn't great. What, what you were not going to put him in the all time greats, but he had a really good career at Notre Dame. Lane Clellan's uh, LinkedIn page says he was at Notre Dame from 2008 to 2012. Okay. So he, he did his time. He did his time. I think, I don't know if Hafiz Williams transferred out, maybe. I don't know. But you're, I mean, you're down to the bottom of the list here. Yeah, you're getting to the bottom. 2008, not a bad class. I've seen worse top ranked classes as far as a hit hit rate goes. So just, just, just nationally top 50 players, top 50 guys. You had Michael Floyd, Dane Chris, Kyle Rudolph, Ethan Johnson. And then to the top hundred was Fleming, Trevor Robinson, Steve Filer, Dion Walker, Jonas Gray. I I would like to point I mean, out that, and that's a lot. I mean, Slaughter and Cave were top one seventeen guys. This is a hell of a class. Like if and that's you know, if this is the kind of class, this kind of class doesn't get you top two in the modern era, though. I mean, this this kind of highlights and accentuates what modern college football recruiting is because it's a top Alabama's, five class, but not it's the, a top, no, not five, your top dog. But it's yeah. not your top dog. It's not top two, and it's 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 like five, maybe six, because Georgia or Alabama is signing you know four to five five stars, and and Notre Dame is rolling in with two. This this might even be like a number seven class some years. If you think about it, because, um, you know, Clemson and in Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State, they're signing three, four, five, five stars. And Notre Dame is, so if, is grabbing. If you look at it just from like their like the composite. Well, Kyle, Ru- Kyle Rudolph like, probably should like be their average. Yeah. Notre Dame's average ranking that year. And by the way, uh, 24-7 composite has Miami having the number one class that year instead of Al- so Alabama was number three, Notre Dame two. Um, and both Miami and Bama had 32 commitments, 32 to Notre Dame's 23, but Notre Dame had a a score of 295. So just go to, you know, if you go to 2000 and, uh, the 21 class here, 295 gets you third or fourth. By the way, when you look at the, the the Bama players that they signed is. Uh, they had, they had a, their average their average player ranking was 95. That's high. That's high as shit. Yeah, well, I mean it's the greatest of all time. So 
<laughs> I mean, according to rankings wise, it was the greatest of all time. So, but even like if you go to 2020, that 295 score, that's still only as good gets you fifth. Yeah, that, that's what I'm like. But by the way, the Alabama class, uh, their hit rate was Julio Jones, Mark Barron, Courtney Upshaw, Mark Ingram, Barrett Jones. Uh, yeah, they did pretty good. <laughs> they did pretty Dante Hightower, Mount Cody. They had a few good players on that team. <laughs> Just that, a few. Right, the, right at the start of the uh, the Nick Saban era. Yeah, the Nick Saban. Yeah. Okay. Oof, that, all right. Just, so la- last thing on the on the agenda tonight, we'll make this quick, is uh, rank everything. Get our top five rankings for bread. Give me your top five bread things. It could be type of bread, uses for bread, a certain bread. Brendan, what's your, what's your favorite? What's what's your top five bread? Well, um, pizza dough. That's a bread, right? So pizza dough is up there. The salt bagel. Uh, it's certainly up there. And I guess we could take the bagel as its entirety, but the salt bagel is my favorite of all bagels. Um, as far as standard breads go, sourdough is my favorite, just standard bread. Um, I love non bread. Have you ever had a non bread, Josh? Oh, I, uh, I, I crush. It's so fucking expensive, but I, I probably eat two, uh, containers of that a week. With some hummus. So good. It's so good. And I, I mean, flatbread pizza on a non bread, but everything about the non bread is delicious. Do, and then I guess here's my question Do you consider a pretzel as being bread? Because there's pretzel Only buns. Only if it's soft. Only, Only if, it's if, soft. if it's soft. You know what? I'll if it's hard, it's, it's a cracker. Soft. Um, pretzels. Uh, absolutely. I was, gonna, I was thinking about ciabatta because uh, I love a good ciabatta bread um, for sandwiches, but man, I can't get enough pretzels, whether or not it's uh, large soft pretzels, Bavarian pretzels, you know, the, the big ones, uh, super pretzels, uh, sourdough pretzels, all of them, just pretzels in general. Can't get enough. Okay. That's solid right there. Jude, what's your, what's your top five bread? Um, you know, I, I I didn't really give this a ton of thought. I like uh, French toast. Uh, I like I like soup in a bread bowl. So you um, like Chicago style pizza then? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not so much. Um, more like a hearty clam chowder and a like a sourdough bread. Yeah, yeah I guess nice, Brendan already nice kind of said that. So, um, I like cinnamon rolls. I really, I don't know. I, I didn't get, I, I like, I just like, I eat a lot of bread. So I, I just never thought about the, the bread mechanisms. Okay. Uh, so quickly here, I have look, the ever, the, the bagel itself is one of God's most perfect foods. Yep. Uh, and I personally enjoy the everything bagel as Very much good. as anything. Uh, the cheddar Bay biscuits from red lobster. Uh, are, do you make them out of the packet? Have you tried to to do it yourself? Yes, yes, it's, yes. It's yeah. very good. They, not, it's not on the level, but it's very good. They're not quite, but they're close enough. Where it's like if I'm jonesing, it's better than going to Red Lobster. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's better for me to like tonight throw a slab of uh, uh, salmon on 
go wood plank it on the grill. Yeah, a uh, and then make the cheddar bay biscuits into my house. You know what I mean? Uh, I like just like a good twelve grain loaf of bread. Like I like my sandwiches on that. On there's a Nichols Bakery uh, makes an excellent twelve grain bread. Look at Josh um, and his ancient grains. This man loves yes. some ancient grains. I do, man. I, I really do. I can't tell you the last time I have uh, purposely ate, like, what's the last time you guys bread. ate white bread? My kids eat white bread. I won't do it. Can't can't do it. Can't work with them. Can't win with them. Uh, do, you, do you guys eat white bread in your house? Uh, rarely. Like the uncrusted, like the Smucker's Uncrustables are it. My my kids love a good jelly toast uh, on white bread, but I, I, t- I tend to get the, the brown berry uh, sourdough, get it with that. But sometimes sometimes you just get a white Italian loaf from the, from the white bread section of your grocer. There you go. Um, I'm going to throw a tortilla in there as bread. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Flour tortilla, or are we talk flour. It, flour. Okay, flour. not corn tortilla, not the superior of the yeah. tortilla. Okay. Flour tortilla, because I like to make everything a fucking burrito, and I mean everything. I'll make a peanut butter and jelly burrito. Um, the tortilla is the most perfect delivery mechanism for food that there has ever been created, ever. Can I tell you? Okay. Can I tell you a life hack? If okay. you order from if you order from the Chipotle or the Qdoba or the takeout burrito place, don't order a burrito. Order the order bowl because the they give you more food and then you just take it home and you put it in your own goddamn tortilla. <laughs> which and I, which actually your own two tortillas because it gives you two tortillas worth of food. Yeah, and I'm a master rapper. Like I can, <laughs> I could wrap a fucking burrito with the best of them. And I'll tell you, it's, it's hard though, to find like your restaurant style, like, like the bigger, extra, extra large tortillas that you get in most restaurants. You got to really look for them to get them, but they're, it's more than worth it to when you do find them. So yeah, tortillas are perfect. And then I was kind of struggling for the fifth one. And much as, like the Cheddar Bay Biscuits are the only reason to ever go to a Red Lobster. The bread they bring you at Texas Roadhouse is the only reason you should ever go to a Texas Roadhouse. Now, is it the bread that gets you there or is it the cinnamon butter? <sighs> I It's it's the bread. It's the bread. I uh, Maybe it's a combination, but it doesn't matter. It's the only, if a if a bread dish, a pure bread dish, is the only reason you should go to a restaurant, that ranks pretty high. <laughs> yeah, like the pumpernickel so, at a uh, Lone Star, or not a Lone Star, at a uh, uh, Outback. Yes, yes, a lot like that. A lot, <laughs> I like that. Maybe I should have went with that one instead. Uh, I mean, I can't say how many times ago I've gone to like a. a like a really nice restaurant and they bring you out some shit ass bread. Oh, it's a non-starter for me. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, I could go, I could go to a lot, you know, lower quality place and get a lot better bread. What's up with the, <laughs> what's up with this? Do I look like 
I mean, look at me. Do I look like I'm not going to eat this bread? Give me that common grill and Chelsea bread with the, the poppy seeds on it. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that wraps it up for us tonight. Hope you had some joy out of all those, uh, those delicious wins. The delicious bread. Hope it was there for you. Jude, you got anything to go out tonight? Thank God women's lacrosse is finally back this weekend. They got a couple <laughs> of days. They missed three games because of COVID, uh, COVID problems with the team. So they're back in action this weekend. I'm very excited. They got to win some games because UNC is just racking up the wins already. So actually, yeah, they the, are. The, the entire ACC is doing great. So. Jude, how do I how do I how do I watch a women's lacrosse game? ACC. Uh, I know Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame has. I, I typically watch them through, through the ESPN app. Um, so if you go to the ESPN app and, and you just call up the game, um, sometimes you can just do it with the ESPN plus, And sometimes it requires a, like a cable login. But to be honest with you, I just use my parents. So I have ESPN plus, but sometimes they, it's, it's weird how sometimes they require the, the login for the cable provider. So. So make sure you have boomer parents still have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, to be honest with you, like, we haven't talked about it. Like, I, I share a Netflix account with my parents. I don't think Netflix is coming after me on that one. Um, and, and they said to me, like, you know, how much will you for Netflix? And I was like, oh, I don't even worry about it. They're like, no, we want to pay you. I'm like, dude, you don't realize how much you paying for cable has saved me uh, when I need a quick login for something stupid. You know what I mean? My kids <laughs> right. are yelling about this, that, or the other thing is on some channel that I don't get. And so I just quick log into the parents' account, you know? Like, my wife was like, we were borrowing my buddy's uh, Comcast, and and then he was like, yeah, we're getting rid of cable or whatever. And I was like, okay. So we lost out on HBO, which is fine. You know, I, there's other ways to get HBO shows, as you're probably well aware. But apparently my parents don't have Bravo. And so my wife went through, like, this crisis of confidence where she was Oh, just no. Like, how does she well, get her de- – how does she get her real housewives? Um, now it's in some package or something. I don't, I don't even, oh. to be honest with you, I don't even know. So is your, is your wife a real housewife? Say my wife loves, oh, real, she's, all, oh she's my God. No, she's like, it's, it's, it's insane. Not only the real housewives, but Southern charm and, uh, oh, yeah. something below decks, below decks. Uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. Listen though, the, is Southern the charm, the most, um, is Southern charm, the most low key racist show on television? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If all I know is, right all I know is my my wife will not watch the explicit version of the work. Uh, the work is a is a, a six week workout uh, through Beachbody where the like, the guy I think his his name's Emilio. He just like swears and it's awesome. He's like, get your ass off the floor. Well, you, you know, you've talked about this like, before, yeah. Yeah, she won't watch it because she doesn't want the kids picking up bad language. But I literally walked in to two previews in a row where somebody from Southern Charm or something was like. Yeah, the only thing that's not getting work right now is my vagina. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, so this is clearly that's better what for I'm kids saying. to hear, you know? My wife does the same thing where where she'll I'll be watching something in another room. The kids aren't even like the kids don't even want any want to be the around. Kids don't pay I'm attention. Gonna, they I'm don't know what the squares are. And she'll be like, is this appropriate for the kids? Like they're not even around yet. She'll come in the afternoon. The, the kids will get home from I'll go pick up the kids from school. And I come back and she's somehow in the living room watching Real Housewives. I'm like, 
Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, I don't want to like New Jersey too, right? New Jersey, they're dropping, they're dropping f bombs like every two seconds. It's not even, well, that's that's not even the language. Out, though, it's so. not even the language. But, but still, uh, I mean, they're still talking about well, like, you know, like Vanderpump, right? Vanderpump rules. Yeah, I mean, just, they like literally openly discuss their sex lives, which again, like that's part of the titillation of the show. So I get it, but at the same time, like. You can't, on the one hand, be like, he said, ass, my son might hear this. And also then also be like, but I'm going to watch my program when I work out on the treadmill and I've got to turn it up so loud so I can hear it over the treadmill. And this woman is literally talking about how she hasn't gotten sex in 13 seconds. You know what I mean? And it's just like, <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect here. Disconnect. So, yeah. But anyways, long story short, my wife watches all the Bravo shows. I don't understand them, any of them. And, you know, when we're, we're together, we don't watch problem shows. I, I don't, I've not, not watched. I'm, I'm in the room not, for a lot of like, them. I, I know a lot say, of their like, names. That's that's I, I will cop to that. Like every once in a while, I'll remember a name and I'll be like, hey, what's up? What's going on with Kenya? And she's like, do you want to know? I'm like, nah, not really. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I'm I'm able to I, I'm able to be in the room while she's watching it. And yeah, just be distracted enough with like looking at my phone or whatever bullshit, you know, like that. But I do it just to make sure I can't, I, I have that in my bag for when she bitches about like me watching something like, like I don't want to watch this. Well, I don't want to watch the bullshit that you're watching. And yet I do. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very much a uh, part of like the spite watching, like I'm using or using this to, uh, uh, not really a revenge, but just like put it in the bank. I had to wa- listen, honey. I had to watch Bethany launch her shit ass brand of skinny girl vodka the, for like three. It is seasons. the worst. It is the worst. But as the worst drink. I uh, I, I I gotta admit, I'm low key excited about Paramount Plus uh, launching the the real all the real world. world yeah, the real world reunion where they're going to bring back the original cast from 92 and make them live in the Soho loft apartment again. They're going to be like 50. They're 50, right? Yeah, because racist Becky's coming back with Kevin. <laughs> I just, I don't hey, Kevin, know. Hey, Kevin's been a huge activist since, since he left. Yeah. I, I just, like, first of all, are these people not married, didn't have kids? Like, they could just... That's I, what I, I always know. wondered about the challenge, right? The people who are showing back up on the challenge, like, most of them are in their 40s now because they haven't had a road <laughs> rules. Because I guess the road rules is coming, but they haven't had a road rules in like 20 years, and they have like road rules people on there. Like most of the most of the 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 OGs are like 40 years old. And they're showing up. It's like how can you just like take six to eight weeks or six to ten weeks off work? And well, just and be that, okay. That's what I was thinking was if the first ep- first season was 1992, so that's 30 years ago, basically. And the yeah. kids were, let's say, 23 when they moved in. Like, they're f- between, like, 53 and 55, like probably. 50. Yeah. Yeah. Which means maybe they've got grown kids that are out of the house by now, but... Maybe their kids were in a season. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, I, I was surprised they were able to get so many of them to come back. Like, I, I just thought for sure people would be like, nah, that's a dumb idea. But, you know, money talks, so... The, well, the, the novelty... The novelty yeah. of it all when it first when they first did that, 
Oh yeah. It was a, like, I, I, I'm not sure I watched first season, but I was definitely all in on real world for a long time. Like I think I got to San Francisco and Pedro and Seattle and the, and the slap heard uh, around the world. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, I think the first San Diego was after, was like season six or seven. I stopped. Oh, Trichelle? Was that Trichelle? I, no, she was Vegas, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. So, I didn't watch Vegas. So back to New York was after 2001, maybe like 2000, maybe it was 2001, maybe 2002. Um, a, my, one of my good friends who went to BC, he was in a singing group called the Bostonians. And one of the Bostonians was on the, the real world, the second real world that they did in, in New York. Her name was Lori. And uh, so we used to watch to see like, you know, Lori, because like we kind of knew her, you know, not really, but like we just felt like we knew her, you know? So that was kind of, that's, that's, I think that's probably when I stopped watching it, to be honest with you. If they did them after that, I, I, I didn't pay attention, but um, I was definitely all in when the nineties, cause that's all you watched on television. It was like, it was the new, it was, it was the new thing, reality television, you know? So I will say that I did walk in on my wife watching the Real Housewives Atlanta, and oh, they were we, having we a oh the strippers dungeon thing or whatever. That's what the? I mean, my wife. I was, was like, "What the fuck are we doing?" I'm like the kids are gonna walk by. There's like literally women like twerking in this stripper dungeon thing, and I was like, "This is just <laughs> like, could you watch some other show for ten minutes?" You know. Well, I didn't. Like, I didn't tell her to change it. Because um, <laughs> you were you were saving it right for the bank. Well, I mean, Portia was there and Kenya was on there. I, I, I wanted to see what was going on, but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for Portia, uh, but I was just, I'm like, are this is this really going on? And her explanation to me was, uh, well, you know, God, I can't remember her name. Uh, Candy yes, run a sex dungeon. That's what, right. Well, that's she's, what got, she's got me. toys. Yeah, she's the most talented one of, of the entire group. Uh, she's like, well, you know, Katie's got her sex toy thing, blah, blah. like so nonchalant, like no shit, Josh. No, why would they not have this go on? And I'm like, okay, this is where we are now. And then just making sure we yeah. got that. It's just so uh, when I ordered, gosh. <laughs> so bad. It, it was quite something. Like I'm not, yeah, I don't think Porsche's thing covered her nipples. Like, I think they had to blot that out. Like, man, that's really like putting it all out there. And then they had that guy in a fucking cage just standing outside. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, all right. We said enough. We, just, <laughs> we did it. If, if you've I listened this long and your wife also on. watches Real Housewives and you want to commiserate, feel free to add that to your next five-star review at, at Apple Music. That might be a summer episode. Let's let's get it on. <laughs> bring bring the know. wives on. <laughs> Let me know who else's I wife. I've been watching every like, season I'm, of uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey in two months. Wow, that's great. You got a last thing to say? No, no. I, I, I think, uh, I think the last thing we have to say is, um, starting next episode, we need to each introduce ourselves as a Real Housewives tagline. Uh, <laughs> Uh, where like I might not be a wife, but I am real. 
I may not be getting paid, but I am in the shade. Or getting laid. Ah, shit. <laughs> it's a, I, there, and if we had I, any editing, this would, this would have died five minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Who, what's an editor? I mean, what is editor but but scribbles on a paper? I mean, come on. Um, so that's it for tonight. Uh, Notre Dame basketball is terrible. Yeah, they need don't to fire Mike Bray. Watch Mike Bray does not need to coach anymore, and it's a sad day. I might write about that later this week, um, or maybe not. Maybe I'll just let it go on its own. Um, but <clears throat> Notre Dame uh, hockey is going to finish out the regular season. Uh, they need. They need a Big Ten tournament championship to make the uh, NCAA playoffs. So it's it's not a very good end of winter for Notre Dame. Uh, baseball team's off to a good start, though. So that's good news. Yeah. Uh, women's lacrosse is uh, back from, from their thing. So that's good news. Uh, so we'll see how all that goes down. I don't know. That's it. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>